What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox. And joining me, as always, no matter what it is, whether it's awards, worst of awards, crime update, any other updates that we can pull out together, another day on these. So good to have you back. Hello. Um, yeah. Pretty um, heavy week. Uh, it is good to be back. I'm excited to talk about everything. Um, but yeah, what it's, it's a very strange start to the, the WrestleMania season, as you would say. Um, I really can't think of a whirlwind week like this in, in quite some time. So, or maybe that's not true. Probably since punk left AEW, I would say, but these weeks are just, it, it's crazy to, keep up to try and do your due diligence with you know taking in all the information analyzing it um sitting with it um listening to things uh especially when you have you know your own life going on outside of it so um definitely have tried to do my best keeping up with everything but yeah um it it feels strange to say like i'm excited to to talk about it um, because it's it's not that same it's not like that excitement of uh, of doing an award show or I don't know just covering a pay per view with no real like uh, dark cloud um, you know in Cody Rhodes's words uh, hovering above it so it's um, I don't know it it, it will be a, I'm sure a great conversation though so I I am grateful to be able to discuss this with you that that's how i'll start my thing off i'm grateful to all the listeners out there tuning in uh, my birthday was just yesterday after we recorded this um it was on a it was a crazy day crazy week in wrestling i mean a total whirlwind of stuff and normally everybody knows if you follow the show or, or follow any coverage i've had you know we've handled situations before that were serious on this show or even eastern lariat <laughs> which i'm on um and i normally try to do it chronologically but in this case we'll get through the news portion of it uh you know we'll talk about the the big big thing uh, which i know that's going to be on the top of everybody's mind uh we'll get to the netflix deal as well and then obviously the rumble itself uh, we'll talk about but I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and taking the time uh, out there to everybody who did. Uh, looking forward to another great year of Russell Update and, and coverage and all of that. Unfortunately, uh, you know, when it comes to this show, we t- we tackle everything when it comes to wrestling. All the big stories, whether it's positive, negative, or indifferent, uh, we try to give them the same amount of care. Uh, and especially this one, it's a very sensitive subject we're about to get into. Uh, but I'm sure you guys all have heard that a new lawsuit was filed this week um, against Vince McMahon, the the owner of WWE for a long time, now a part of the TKO Group Holdings as the executive chairman, uh, board, you know, one of the top board members. Uh, he was in a lawsuit by Miss Janelle Grant, uh, a former employee at WWE, who fired filed the lawsuit against Vince, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace. And WWE itself. And there's a 67-page document explaining everything 
and I mean everything when it comes to the details. And I, I don't want to get into the direct details of the acts described because uh, I don't, you know, it was some really sickening stuff just straight up right now. And, uh, you no, know, no. there's no. Yeah, I was going to say, if if you are interested in a very um, deep dive analysis um, with that level of detail, which, you know, yeah. like you said, is horrifying um but you know it it is necessary to uh sit with and really confront these things so if you are interested in a sort of or in a deeper dive more details um i really really recommend the three pollock and thurston episodes from this past week uh on post i thought they did a very uh good responsible and thorough job of reporting and covering this um, entire new McMahon suit. Absolutely. Uh, You know, very much uh, two of the best of the biz for sure. Uh, Thurston was at the press conference afterwards as well for Royal Rumble. Uh, Pollock, uh, we talked about him last episode and I know he had a lot of, there was a lot of talk about his question he asked towards Dana White uh, at the UFC press conference as well. Uh, so both of those guys, I have a lot of respect for them. Uh, and as I said, too, the whole document's actually out there to read if you would like uh, to really read the whole nitty gritty. But the long and short of it is, um, you know, these sickening acts that were laid out were all, you know, sexual in nature, uh, you know, and abusive in nature as well. You know, allegedly in the court documents, they mentioned that a physical relationship was promised in return for, uh, you know, employment at the company. Uh, There was sharing of private photos uh, going in there. And also, basically, Vince, unfortunately, uh, you know, using this this woman in a way to negotiate contracts even and engage in fetishist fetishistic tendencies towards different people and even sexual battery sexual assault rape uh all of that was laid out in this group by different people and various aspects of it uh you know there was people for sure vince and johnny ace were labeled explicitly as a part of that uh you know mcmahon really used her in really degrading and cruel acts all throughout you know it was it was sexual there was um human trafficking charges are a part of this as well due to the fact that uh things had taken place across state lines that's a big part of the law the legal speak uh you know obviously there's a lot out there uh, there was that movie last year talking about human trafficking and that's something that gets brought up a lot but in in the legal terms and, and, I, and what i believe based on what i've read uh, what i've read of this um, it's more so that things took place across different state lines and that got a charge put on there as well. And uh, so there was a lot here, uh, you know, even sexual slavery at some points, uh, has been said in a way they describe it as well. Um, but there's a lot there again for, for the blessings of our listeners. There's no need to get to the exact details of it, but there were some horrific acts laid out. And again, you can read that if you want. And listen to other shows that want to get deep into there. But these are very, very serious crimes that are laid out in this in this lawsuit. And on top of it, a big part of it as well was that 
if you followed the story from, you know, when all of this came about, uh, you know, with Vince and, and leaving the company and all of that. A lot of it was the NDAs that had come out. You know, it was really more the corporate side of things than a moral side, which, uh, you know, unfortunately in the world, again, not just wrestling companies or anything like that. Anytime there's big executives, the moral aspect is often set aside for business aspects. But the business aspects of this one were the NDAs required him to pay people for them, pay pay people off. And in this case, uh, with the defendant here, he paid only one million of the three million that he allegedly owed. And that really set off him breaking the con- the breaking of the contract is what allowed all of this to get out allegedly here um, after he had really coerced her in a lot of ways and threatened her legally as well. Um, you know, there's a part in there where he mentioned, you know, Hey, I've got this guy, Jerry. And he said, he knows how to make bad situations and bad people go away. And basically, again, basically threatening and using these crazy tactics uh, in here. And for Vince's part, he, it didn't take long. Obviously, things came about, and things had come along, and all the talk on social media happened. But then Slim Jim announced that they were not going to be able to sponsor the Royal Rumble. They were choosing not to sponsor the Royal Rumble. Uh, and that obviously led to them acting very fast. Probably not even a day later, Vince McMahon resigned uh, from the company, from TKO, from all of that. And he tried to say that... You know, he said, and I'm quoting this uh, on the USA Today post that he had, I intend to vigorously defend myself against these baseless accusations and look forward to clearing my name. However, out of respect for the WWE universe, the extraordinary TKO business and its board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, and all of the employees and superstars who helped make WWE into the global leader it is today, I've decided to resign from my executive chairmanship and the TKO board of directors effective immediately. And, you know, a lot of this come about. There's been different executives. Again, Vince and Johnny Ace were labeled, uh, John Laurinaitis were labeled explicitly. There were different executives not named uh, in the post that maybe knew. It was told that Vince, again, was sharing photos around to even, you know, tech guys that he had. And, uh, you know, even people on the outside, they were using blockers to to help try and intimidate her uh, as an intimidation tactic. So there's so many parts to this. Again, a 67-page document on this. Uh, and I am by no means a legal expert at all. And obviously, in terms of the contents of what we saw and what we know there's not really any analysis I could offer other than it's just such a horrible, shameful thing that this was even that this would even be potentially happening. Uh, it was so sickening to read and go through. And, you know, they had to get, you know, he was going to be gone eventually. I do think the Slim Jim sponsorship is what sped it up so fast. He should have been gone immediately, like in all honesty. Like if they could were able to make that happen, they said he resigned, and I really believe that that resignation was definitely something he didn't want to do. Even even after all this, like this comes across, and not just this. That's another thing we have to talk about. This isn't just a one-time show for this particular individual. If you look at Vince McMahon's history, 
there's so much on his plate that he's been accused of blatantly like that we know he did and even more things that probably nobody knows about there's other ndas in this very case that was talked about and you see it coming in you see things hitting the fan and we'll talk about the press conference after the show as well brock lesnar somebody allegedly a part of this uh based on the details they gave uh you know and we it was said that he was going to be at the royal rumble he wasn't on the Royal Rumble here. There's been a lot of talk about them having to rearrange the match at the last second. Again, we'll get into that. There are so many parts of this and uh, just a, a terrible situation uh, all around. And I personally don't think it's anywhere near over. With Vince McMahon, again, look at all of the times. There's been allegations of, of you know terrible things over the years. Uh, with children in the distant past in his company that he allowed to go on, bring back in, even up to covering up murders in the past, has been accused of him. There's so much at his feet that we probably don't even know about. So there's so much there to unravel and unwind, but just a terrible situation for the company. And it's a great thing that he's gone. Hopefully he's never allowed to wiggle his way back in. And you unfortunately can never say never in this world we live in where you have somebody with exorbitant amounts of money that he has that you never know. And his tendency is to fight things. This is somebody when you read it, it comes across as somebody who thinks he's untouchable. Probably a lot of it because of the things that happened in the past that he did get away with. So he probably thought that this was an untouchable situation for him. And on top of it, uh, hopefully everything that could happen with the defendant and this woman who unfortunately went through these horrible things. Uh, and again, and, and being coerced and intimidated into it as well. You know, you have to remember that it's not so cut and dry. As some people make it online. Yeah. You know, you have to look at the grand scheme of things and the power and balance that's available here, here. And even more, if it was possible to get even worse, the fact that it stated that she was a grieving person, uh, you know, she was, at, you know, nearly at the end of her rope emotionally with people around her dying. She was really vulnerable. And that's very clear in the in the, the statement here. So this is even more sickening and worse if that was even possible. Um, and they said uh, overall that. Uh, basically, she, uh, she, she's probably going to need lifelong treatment. Because of all that she's been went through. I can only hope that she can recover in some way uh, from all of this. So uh, with that said, uh, Vince seems to be gone for now. And I think we all think that he should never come back just because of our own things. It's obviously we weren't there to know any of this. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who did know what. If it does go to trial, that's when it's really going to be something. And you could see situations where, well, where this does get settled and we might not get to hear any of those details, uh, and that can be covered up forever. If it goes to tri trial, we might know the names of some of these people, the UFC fighter, WWE guy that people think is Brock Lesnar. <laughs> we don't know that for sure. It's just you know the details add up to that. Executive number one, that could be a couple of, of different people. A lot of sleuths online have, have speculated that it's Triple H himself. Uh, but we can't say that for sure. We don't know. But if it comes out of trial, then we will find out. So I'm sure that there's going to be a lot... You know, this isn't over by any any 
any stretch of the imagination overall. Just a sad day for wrestling and just a horrible situation uh, for someone to be in. And my heart goes out to, to, to anybody. But uh, do you have anything you would like to add to that, Nello? Yeah. Um, you know, beyond the, the words you shared, um, it's a very sickening situation. Um, I wrote extensively about Vince last year for an essay I did for Post um, called World Waystar Entertainment, Vince McMahon Hyper Object. And a hyper object, for those who do not know or are unfamiliar, is something like gun violence, climate change, styrofoam, systems that we live inside of that are invisible but are greatly hampering um, you know, the ecology of human life, the ecological flow, right? Um, these are inescapable things. These are things that will last uh, long after we are gone, again, such as styrofoam, right? And uh, all these things. Um, it's Vince McMahon is very much a hyper object in pro wrestling, which is to say once he's gone, he will still be around much longer because the WWE for 40 years, and this is even this year until this week have acted as though WWE is Vince McMahon <clears throat> and Vince McMahon is WWE. Um, I do not think that they deserve to walk away from this. I do not think that this company should be allowed to distance themselves I think that they should answer everything day. And I don't care if this sounds a bit extreme, but I thought the Slim Jim thing was absolutely disgusting and abominable. And I think that it shows that in this late stage capitalist hellhole we live in, that the only thing that can actually move mountains is money. Um, Slim Jim pulled out. And again, it's important to note, and you have as well, that one, this is one of numerous NDAs that we know exists. So this is not the total picture, but rather just the most recent horrifying detail. Um, you know, and fuck, what was I going to say? Um, oh, and like, you know, to WWE is listed in this suit as is its own entity it's vince johnny and wwe and that is big and i feel like that's what's gotten ignored a lot is that everyone is looking at this as vince oh well john lauren ice is already gone and now vince right but wwe is just a big a part of this um, you cannot separate Vince and WWE because they spent 40 years telling us that we could not. So now I do not believe they have the right to separate it. They need to answer, you know, we as fans, and this is in, you know, pretty much all industries, right? Watching last night's show was a disgusting fucking feeling. You had Slim Jim pull out on Friday because of sex trafficking and rape allegations against Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, and the WWE. Vince McMahon resigns, mind you. He is allowed to resign and leave on his own terms. There is no firing. There's no public admission that this guy needs to go. 
like it is he's allowed to leave on his own terms first that's disgusting and that is a statement in itself that to me tko did not take this seriously because you can say oh we responded right away within 24 hours and had him you know he resigned right he still resigned you did not fire him and again when you get into situations like this and we'll talk about it in the press conference language matters because language is all there is and that's when i do believe you can hyper analyze these moments so when you have saturday morning come around and slim jim tweets that they're re-entering the Royal Rumble 24 hours after pulling their advertising due yeah. to sex trafficking oh, and yeah. rape claims. Like they turned this entire situation into a promotional tactic. Um and again, to it's it's honestly ludicrous to me to try and act like Vince McMahon leaving has any sort of weight over a system predicated and founded on coercion, abuse, misconduct, misogyny, sexism, racism, like so many things that McMahon has not been accused of so much as shown us through his own character work on television. And Josie Reisman, she talks about this at great length in her book, The Ringmaster, but yes, Vince yes, yes. and other figures, right, in conservative media or media in general are able to employ something that she describes as neo kayfabe, which is if Vince is a disgusting, despicable piece of shit on television, then when he's a disgusting, despicable piece of shit behind the scenes, it doesn't have the same weight because that's just Vince, right? And this is as much on the media. And I'm not going to put it on as much as wrestling media. Um, it's mainstream for treating pro wrestling like like it's a joke for 40 years. Yeah. Because anytime there's been some sort of release or or story that hits the mainstream media, it's a 24-hour news cycle, and it's typically disregarded as a joke. Oh, in the world of wrestling, right? Here's a real story in wrestling, the fake world, whatever the fuck. And I think that if you – if Vince McMahon is leaving – resigning from the company, getting to leave on his own accord, solves these problems, then I do not think that you even understand what the problem is in the first place. This is systemic. This is institutional. It is a methodology of abuse that they have employed. And this is not something that happened in isolated incidents in hotel rooms or at McMahon's house. And and in no way, right, is that even it doesn't fucking matter. But these are things that happened at the WWE corporate offices within the last five years. This isn't oh, are we the WWE that was still the Attitude Era? No, I'm concerned with if this is the same WWE that let Vince McMahon back in a year ago. And I still believe it is. There is nothing this company has done to uh, signify otherwise. Um, You know, in the suit, there are listed as people in production, people in tech, in crew, wrestlers, Like these are names that have to be named. It is the time for accountability. It is the time for admission. You know, WWE got away with a lot as well. And this might be a tangent, but 
when the WWE Network moved to Peacock, right, they scrubbed a lot of things from old shows, racist angles, censoring certain things, etc. And Disney does this, too. So rather than show it in its original form, because I do believe that it is important to confront and reckon with and process controversial, complicated and deeply harrowing things. Right. We I can agree completely only, for the record. We yeah. have the only way to learn from the past is to engage with it. So when we disregard things and ignore them and throw them under the rug because, oh, well, they were evil or, oh, it's just this or that, right? That's how history is then allowed to repeat itself. So when these companies are allowed to simply scrub their record rather than, you know, start an episode with, hey, my name is so-and-so, you know, I'm Triple H. I did blackface. And, you know, this this segment we recognize now as something is, you know, now, of course, it was only 20 fucking years ago. We recognize as something that's deeply wrong, you know, and it's like everyone is so allergic to simply being accountable that. Um, and, you know, I will say the Triple H thing here just because just to sort of tie up my statement, it is, you know, the last beat of the story we have gotten so far. But he was asked first by. Um, you know, John Alba about what Triple H's knowledge of the allegations was uh, when they voted him out last year. Um, and then Brandon Thurston followed up with whether or not Triple H has even read the allegations. And Triple H, you know, his answer was, this has been a really great week. This has been an incredible week for the WWE. And I want to focus on the positives. And I have not read the suit um the amount of red flags in here cody gave a much better answer i don't think there is any right answer for this you know i'm not i think it's about your willingness to again confront it it's the courage to discuss these things when you are in it right which is to say that triple h though there are definitely wrong answers um and Triple H's answer was, again, what people will say, well, what did you expect him to say? And that's the thing is, I just expected him to say something and anything. And what he said was, no, I haven't read it. Two, this is an incredible week for us. And three, let's focus on the positive. So one, yes, it's your father-in-law, but you should absolutely know what the fuck is happening with your company. Two... Um, this is not an incredible week for WWE. Yes, he started off the week announcing a Netflix deal, but that was quickly upended and overshadowed by the company's patriarch, the name that is synonymous with WWE and pro wrestling as a whole because of the way that they have revised and written history for 40 years. And so, no, it's not an incredible week. I would say that this is one of the darkest weeks on record for wwe so i don't think there is positives to focus on you know um this is a situation where very very different right but um when we look at all out chicago post punk that w or aew is like okay well how the fuck do we do a show in chicago without cm punk the, the second city saint the guy who's synonymous with this and what they did was you know they 
put on a fucking show and then they decided to, you know, actually state what happened. We have decided to cut ties and fire him. You know, there were numerous altercations behind the scenes. I fear for my life, blah, blah, blah. And then we were able to, as viewers, understand what is happening because, yes, we are watching a show, but these are shows that blend fiction and reality greatly. Um, this isn't like, a, uh, you know, a transparent type show where Jeffrey Tambor gets, you know, a, um, accused with misconduct and abuse. And then you can, you know, OK, well, I know that Jeffrey Tambor, the actor, is a piece of shit. Right. But this is an entire system and company that was built by McMahon where the majority of people are hired by McMahon. And I don't think they did anything to tell us otherwise you know, saying that we do what we can to protect people, I think, is such a loaded and bullshit statement um, because, you know, I think that had Slim Jim not pulled out, they may not have forced McMahon to resign. Right. Um, and sorry, I know that this was sort of long winded and I don't want to you know, lose the core of this here, but essentially it's that I do not believe that WWE nor anyone has even taken the first step to write this course and personally i will say if we did not do this show i would not have watched last night um i had a genuinely sick feeling in my stomach i thought that when we saw the slim jim ad in the show it just had this unbelievable like fucking ick to it because again like you know we talk about how semiotics right and context matters and then to see this slim jim ad and it's this cartoonish fucking thing where la knight and bianca belair crash through a gas station or whatever in a slim jim car and then try to sell us meat sticks and you just have to sit back and say this 30 second commercial is what ended vince's career not sex trafficking not rape not misconduct not 40 years of systemic abuse and methodical ways of employing terror throughout his company, but a 30-second Slim Jim ad. And to me, it was just, uh, I don't know, very, very dark feeling. But, yeah, I feel like that sums up all my thoughts pretty well. All that is is very well said. And much like I said, maybe it's sad that I feel this way, but I already look at any corporation, no matter what they are, and believe that morals don't even matter to them at all. Like, I, I never even consider that or look to them for any kind of moral uh, statement from them. Because, just like I said, even the first go around, what really got him in trouble more than anything wasn't these horrific acts that he's committed. It was originally what they they tried to push him out for the first time was allegedly using company funds. The SEC was getting involved uh, for not all of this that's coming out now. And then you see this, the thing you were talking about with Slim Jim. That tells you right there that Slim Jim does not give a damn about any of this on a moral level or its consumers or anything like that. This was purely the reason they pulled out wasn't because of all of this that happened. It's because of the public perception of it 
that they would have had. We don't want to be in bed with a company that has this. It's not doesn't matter if they do it. It's that they don't want to be seen in a negative light that may hurt their sales. And so when they did, uh, when Vince McMahon did resign, they came back in a, as, as callous of a way as possible. And there's proof right there that the morality of it was much more secondary in comparison to the the optics of it, of being a, a sponsorship on that show. And I just think that that's a horrible reality we live in. And again, you could turn your head in any direction and find something like this uh, for any kind of corporation or big big company or commodity or anything like that. Um you know, if you were to take aim at WWE uniquely, who's to say you couldn't turn around at the World Cup last year and people died? Like, there are so many people that were died and, and and their their rights were taken away from them to build the stadium involved there that you had to go with. All kinds of stuff going on in Hollywood and different movies and companies and music, any aspect of society is stuck in a way that these horrific things are going down. And for whatever reason, that's beyond all of our heads. You know, there's nothing me or you can do to change it or anybody listening to this. It's the society that's been built for decades and years, maybe even hundreds of years that has led to this point in time that we're in. And it's really a dark, terrible time because I totally agree with you. I was not interested in this show at all uh, going into it after the, things that happened i really i might not have watched the show if my sister wasn't over here and wanted and wanted to watch it she didn't know anything about any of this uh, at the end of the day uh you know like any of this stuff going on she's the ultimate casual fan i it was my birthday she came and brought a cake uh, for me and i was trying to have good vibes uh you know i don't know if i would have watched it on my own even even with the show but i, pr- I probably would have for the show's sake in all honesty um and I wouldn't judge anybody. Again, watching the show doesn't make a difference to Vince McMahon's bottom line. Ultimately, uh, you know, we're at places that are so far high above it all the way. Like you said, the news media itself, because I, I think it's easy to point the finger at the wrestling media. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. This is not a wrestling story we're dealing with in this, okay? Like this show's wrestle update, but this is not a wrestling story. This this is a human being we're talking about, okay? Like this woman here that's went through that, a real life person, a life that she had to live, she had to go through, and she has to live with each and every day. And the people involved of these heinous acts, that that was a real those were real life circumstances that were lived through and experienced bigger than any wrestling show or angle or anything like that you want to label it in. It's really on it should be on everybody. Uh, you know, any part of media should be covering this as the thing that it is, as the horrific situation that it is for a human being. But unfortunately, it's been quantified in such a way that you, as you said with the Slim Jim thing, they basically turned something terrible and then turned it into a promotional tactic to quote unquote hop back in. So, all of that bad. What, what, what do you want to say, Little? Um, no, I mean, like, it's, I honestly don't have much else to say. Um, you know, like wrestling stories involve Andrade ending his contract with AEW yeah. and what could happen next, like you said, right? This is a duty that society has as a whole, um, communities to remove these people. 
Um, and I do not. And this is an interesting conversation as well, just in terms of, you know, with these things, Vince McMahon is, you know, what, almost in his 80s, if not already. Yeah. What do what sort of rehabilitation do you expect for this? vile human being almost 80 years into his life after working for 40 years like this unchecked i don't see any sort of justice i don't see any sort of anything and again like the the last thing i really have to say is you know last year they allowed vince to walk out front in front of the audience and he got cheered and this yeah. was the day after the Wall Street Journal. You know, they did it for a pop then, and Slim Jim did it for a pop now. And we have seen that WWE has yet to move once, and TKO as a whole, nor the as well as the sponsors, they have yet to move once on something because it is an objectively evil and heinous act. It has only been moved on because of their financial bottom line investments and sponsors. And to me, that is so beyond heartbreaking. It is. I just I truly believe that WWE is a broken and irreparable company. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if TNA has to change their fucking name to impact because of their booking tendencies why would I ever want to say the names WWE again when the then now together forever? I want no association with these people, right? Under mm-hmm. capitalism consumption, it's it's all how much are you comfortable with, right? Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's not so much on the viewers, you know. People who watched last night, this is our routine. This is our escapism. And it's very unfortunate that in a company with hundreds of of not just on-screen talent, but backstage, technical crew, etc., yep. are constantly defined by this one man, but they allowed themselves to be for 40 years. So I have no, uh, no care for them. I, you know, I hope this company burns to the fucking ground. Truly. <laughs> um, but what, what do you think about the idea that? Because um, remember last time, they did try to vote him out, like the P- the executives before the sale happened, and he still got in. And that is in that case was a circumstance where the law supported Vince coming back in, even after he was voted out by all of these people. Uh, and this and, and again, I don't know all of the legal contraptions of this resigning thing. For all we know, he might not have been able to be fired legally, uh, you know, even if they wanted to. And that and again, we saw it for sure the last time because we saw the emails that came out. We know that they did. They just now, after all of these months, it should have been asked months and months ago. We saw somebody asking about Triple H voting at first uh, to get rid of him and then not voting against him when he came back in. Yeah, but these when, are are consequences of the the law, the government, like that. That's that's um, you know, allowing this to happen. Yeah, and um, you know, again, language matters, and a lot of times in today's society, things cannot be scrubbed. You know, yeah. words are permanent, and when Vince came back, Nick Khan and Triple H, whether or not they voted for him to be ousted, 
they welcomed him back with wide fucking arms. They did interviews with Bill Simmons and Ariel Hawani, who also ride for McMahon. Um, and they were like, how could you imagine WWE without McMahon? How could you do this without McMahon? Ari Emanuel says, you know, it was contingent upon Vince McMahon being here. I refused to do the deal unless he was a part of it in the day to day. These are people who love this guy, who respected this guy. And everyone's like, oh, TKO wanted him out now. You know, uh, who cares? The fact of the yeah. matter is that they brought him in in the first place. No one should be commended for hiring a known abuser and then letting them resign. There are no. That's the thing is that people are acting like things have been resolved. There is yet to be one no. single courageous no, act no. on anyone's part other than the wrestling journalists and media who ask the questions, the people who have covered this, the people who have come forward. And, you know, a, a Cody Rhodes, who was courageous enough to actually speak to it in a way that wasn't just we had a great week, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that that's pretty much it for me. They even mentioned uh, Ronda Rousey on Twitter mentioned that yes. as long as Pritchard is there, that's a, he she described it as his as Vince's avatar. Even when he said he was gone, he still had a head as long as you know, Pritchard was there. And I'm sure that there may be some other people like that as well to come out like that. And there's truth to that. Like, I really believe that as well, that even if he's gone, even though he's he, you know, he's in the line of fire for all of these terrible things. There are probably still now. People in that company that he could get on the phone, like there's nothing stopping him from that. Uh, you know, behind closed doors, worming his way even outside, you know, under the under the table, so to speak. As long as people are there that are close to McMahon and are longtime associates, friends of his even. And like you said, people that admire him, um, like you always have to worry that 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 could pop up again. That sort of situation that Rhonda mentioned on Twitter. Yeah, no, I, I forgot to mention the Rousey tweet. I was actually, you know, we were discussing off air. There's that onion headline. The worst person, you know, just made a great point. And that <laughs> was one of those moments where because it was it's it kind of is indicative of how rare it is for someone to speak out on something like this. That was an actual talent or anyone of like prominence. Right. And so when I first saw the tweet, I totally thought it was some Rousey like Stan account or whatever. And then I realized it was the actual Ronda Rousey. And I was like good dude that's very courageous honestly so you know and i I commend that i just hope that there could be more done it's been said there's been rumors that they are wanting to clean house uh on some people and i think the first one they need to get rid of who was on that stage at the press conference uh, i would say that said it was an amazing week uh you know should be somebody we need to look at very closely uh if i were in charge but again, that's not uh, based on anything uh, other than we we you know what are they going to do going forward? Uh, that's the rumors that have come out. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and in terms of the lawsuit, again, if it goes to trial, that's going to open up a lot a big big can of worms uh, for a lot of people in the company. Uh, I could see it getting settled, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not a legal expert for sure. I would recommend too if if you'd like to hear it uh, to all our listeners out there. Uh, there's actually a video on YouTube that got released uh, with uh, Janelle Grant's lawyer. Uh, 
It's on the Law and Crime Network YouTube page. Uh, you could look. You could look at it there. Uh, it's called uh, Psychological Torture. WWE's Vince McMahon hit with disturbing sex trafficking claims and lawsuit. Uh, and her attorney uh, came in there, and it was about a 15-minute interview or so. I was just from her kitchen or something. Uh, so she was there talking, and she was talking about a lot behind it that happened. Um, and she mentioned that uh, she thought that, um, or, or Janelle thought that there are other victims out there, and which we know by the NDAs that there there's something there at the end of the day. Uh, she basically said that hopefully by coming forward, that uh, others would find the courage to do so as well. You mentioned courage earlier as well. And she said she uh, the quote here is she hopes any doors of secrecy have been blown off their hinges hinges and that fresh air fills the headquarters. And she hopes those at the company past and present who fear speaking out about harm is a thing of the past. Uh, she wishes everyone peace there. Uh, so check that video out if you want. Again, it's a, not a not a super long interview, but with uh, the defendant's attorney on their uh, Long Crime Network, uh, thank you for that information as well. So uh, there's no real easy way to transition uh, for, from all of that. The Netflix deal like that WWE did sign with. Uh, this is before all of this came out, which I'm sure there was a lot of interesting uh, discussions made at the Netflix headquarters after after that came out, after this deal was announced. It's like buying, it's like getting takeout food. You're so excited to eat it. You get home and you open up the bag and it's literally just boxed up dog shit. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, what, that's gotta be so insane. Or you get it and then it looks fine. You like what you got. You like what you see. And then the news report comes out that they, they've been using rat meat at the restaurant. <laughs> on TV while you're, sitting down, you, true, you're true, like, true. oh, sh-. great. Analogy. Um, so the long and short of it uh, for the WWE and Netflix deal is that uh, I wonder is, on top of it, they're going to have to. Uh, uh, there's that Vince documentary that's on Netflix as well, which is uh, I don't know how they're going to handle that. I don't know how you can release that now or. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Uh, this is the thing like Bill Simmons. I, I like listening to him talk about sports. Um, you know, he he's very knowledgeable. His old show was fun on HBO that lasted for a little like the Vince Staples episodes. Very underrated. But um, so I'm rambling now. His but he's Andre involved the Giant, Andre documentary, Giant documentary. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yep, yep, yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. And if that documentary is indicative of what to expect for the Vince one, I don't think there's any way that you can do that. I don't think there's any way that you can cover Vince McMahon in a documentary that's shorter than a 10 episode miniseries or something. Uh, you know, there was for, for those who are into sort of history podcasts and like deep dive historical analyses, you know, there was a six part behind the bastards um, earlier last year. The only other person who's ever gotten six episodes being Henry Kissinger. Um, and it was all on Vince McMahon and it pretty much covered, you know, all the way from his childhood and the things he talked about in the Playboy interview regarding his childhood and like sticking dirt and leaves inside of girls to the ring boy scandal to, yeah. you know, and it's, it's incredibly in depth as well to where um, the the host, Robert Evans, 
also covers, you know, people like Fritz von Erich as well Mm -hmm. to sort of set the stage for how abuse and this whole world of pro wrestling was sort of set up in the early Vince times and pre Vince as well to sort of paint, you know, this, you know, things don't begin with one person, right? But it takes one person to make it a culture. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought that that, sorry, Bill Simmons documentary. Yeah. It's one of those things too, where I don't know why you would like, and this is a question for you, Dylan. Do you want to watch a Vince McMahon documentary? No, no. (laughs) I I don't know how you market this now unless it's, and you know, I mean, if there's one thing that I know Netflix for, it's those, you know, true crime documentaries and all that stuff. Right. Um, I feel like that's what they are very, very famous for in current times is, you know, total true crime obsession. And it's like, so unless you present the Vince stock as that, but then, you know, Again, and, and this could you know, be symptomatic of us being yeah. so in it, though. I'll finish right here. But it's, one, what else is there that I can learn? Two, if this is a fluff piece, I can't imagine anything that would me be, like, so frustrating. But, yeah, it, it just sounds like such a negative fucking experience. I cannot begin to even imagine spending my personal time watching a story on Vince McMahon. And if you look at him, you mentioned the the Playboy interview. A lot of this, again, not to psychoanalyze somebody, but if you look at a lot of his, I mean, even smaller things, like non-sexual related things, there's so many things about him that have come out over the years that just aren't right in some way. You know, the thing about hating sneezing or something like that, you know, you look at that and you look at where the stories that he's had, uh, like think countless things, not just one thing is countless things on top of things. Everything about him comes across as a very like disturbed man. Like honestly, like a very like troubled person. Uh, when he grew up, if you remember, you know, if you, if you know the story of him growing up, um, he had a really dysfunctional early going, um, you know, I, he never met his dad until he was like a teenager. And that's a big part of why he hates ju- uh, juniors, uh, you know, in wrestling. That's always been come out. That that's a big part. He doesn't like juniors. Uh, he's always took that out. Uh, you know, Ray Mysterio and, and all that. They've always taken the junior away. He doesn't like juniors for whatever reason. Uh, and, and well, not for whatever reason, because of that, because he had this deep thing with his his dad. His stepdad was abusive, allegedly. He really comes across as a really sickened and troubled man at his core. Uh, you know, if you were to analyze him, this is something that we had also briefly discussed off the air as well. But you know, just it's what happened to you is like you know, it's something where you can never criticize or condemn someone for the things that have happened to them. But even though things happened to you that you did not ask for that you did not wish upon yourself that you did not choose to bring into to be brought into this world to happen to right it is your responsibility for how you react and respond to them and we can see that vince is a product of that abuse right but you know 
there are other people famous who have gone through these situations mm-hmm. that have come out on the other side better. Um, you know, just in, in the realm of endeavor as well, right? There is another massive person in the media these past couple weeks for Endeavor who is talked about, oh, well, that's just them because of their childhood. And that's Sean Strickland. Right. And it it seems like there's always the excuse, you know, for, oh, well, they had a rough childhood. And that is heartbreaking. You know, it is so goddamn sad. And that's the thing is that I always hope for and encourage rehabilitation over incarceration, because that is something that is far more meaningful than putting Mm -hmm. someone to a cage is to try and help them. It's like Mustafa Ali said, it's easy to say fuck them, but no, we have to show them that is true accountability and courage. And, you know, it's just it's so frustrating to see people be able to directly or even as a third party justify these actions because it's one of those things where in numerous conversations, right? Oh, well they were drinking and it's like, okay, well how come 99.9% of the other people who were drinking that night didn't commit awful crimes? It's a moot point. And, you know, Mm -hmm. just to to bring up one other thing, but you talked about Vincent sneezing, right? That is the perfect example of a Vincism which is a abusive power technique. It is a domination thing, right? It is a control aspect that is simply brushed off as, well, Vince is a weirdo. He doesn't like sneezing. But when you police that, like if you want to get into brass tacks, that at its core, right? Because again, uh, villages are started with a single stick, if that makes sense in terms of how you build them, right? And that alone is a facet of the policing of people's bodies is to control the way they do or do not sneeze. And those little elements, the haha Vincisms, are the building blocks and the foundation for the Janelle Grant cases, um, for all of these horrible fucking atrocities. And, you know, again, stories that will hopefully continue to come out and be brought to light and, and lead to further accountability. But um, yeah, it's just again, and, and, you know, I, I was someone too, who for a long time growing up was like, Oh, well, Vince is just a weirdo. You know, like you hear, like he doesn't know what a burrito is or whatever. And yeah. again, these are haha funny things. But what we see is a man who is deeply removed from reality in all facets of the sense and who has literally been given unlimited control and carte blanche to create this fucking fake world that he's essentially constructed himself. Yeah, uh, he lives in the world where he is the god of it, pretty much. And that's the thing that he knows most is his creation, his company. And it's been said he isn't interested in anything outside of it as well. So all he knows is this company where he has total power. <laughs> and, and and again, it's, it, it's said – and how he acts, how he even treats his wrestlers in the past. And now in this case, where he had all of this power, I really wonder if he didn't think he was just completely untouchable. And to that point, again, as I said, they they tried to remove him from his own company the last time, and he still got in there. So he felt untouchable, I think, and that he couldn't he couldn't be taken down. Uh, pretty much and now he's finding out this is starting to get bigger than just his company that he made now we're in different claims 
um, McDivitt retired all, already. Uh, he doesn't have the the lawyer that he said made everything go away that he wanted to. He doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't own WWE anymore. This started to get into mainstream media outside of his control even more. We've seen it when he had mainstream media interviews in the past. I mean, the Bob Costas interview is, is a legendary moment. He reacted so negatively, he couldn't handle it. He yep. couldn't handle being questioned by somebody he couldn't control. And that's a pub- that's a public display. Again, this there's so many instances of things. It's not just one thing. It's not like, you know, you could just point at one thing and say, the sneezing caused all of this. It's there's a million different things that are on top of this that you see that makes this all so tragic and, and believable for the people that have suffered um because of him and his actions but in the past. And like you said, hopefully, like uh, Ms. Grant said in the interview, they're able to get the people who did sign the NDAs, whoever suffered these terrible things, can come out against him, John Laurinaitis, and whoever else was involved in this, and we can get to the bottom of it, and hopefully – like you said, I don't think they really – like we're just at the beginning of the, the – the end game of this situation that we're in right now. They haven't really even taken the first step forward towards what they should yet. <laughs> I guess they did with Vince resigning, but it's like such a minor thing. There's still so much more uh, to, to think about. Hopefully by the end of it, we can get to a place where we can have a better, like we can ensure that this never happens again in the WWE, like at the very, at the very least. And hopefully in wrestling as a whole, I think with society as a large, it's even a bigger problem than just this one company. It's a societal problem, a legal problem, like so much that we could look at that's almost impossible to combat, or at least it feels hopeless from from my small vantage point that I'm in right now. But hopefully one day we can get to a point where these sorts of things never happen to anybody uh, and the, the female employees of WWE can be protected in the future. 100%. So the net Netflix deal, I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version of it. I kind of break it down real simple as much as I can. <laughs> so SmackDown's gonna be on USA. NXT's gonna be on CW. Raw will be on Netflix. And they signed a five year contract for that. And at that point. Uh, we're at the place where it's $250 million a year uh, for this. And after the five years ends, they can read Netflix has the option. WWE does not have the option. <laughs> Netflix has the option to renew it for another five years. And that would make it a 10 year deal uh, at that point. After the 10 years would go up, it's say, saying that they resigned. At the 10-year point, they can again double up on the contract where it would then be a 20-year deal at the $250 uh, billion per year price, or million dollar per year price, excuse me. Uh, so they are at a point now where you're looking at a $5 billion total deal, but it would have to be accompanied by Netflix renewing them twice. And doubling up each time. Right now, we're at the five-year portion of the deal, which is still a great like, chunk of money for right now. But for a 20-year deal, it's less advantageous than it looks like uh, at face value. Because 20 years, and even 10 years in a lot of ways, we're, that's so far down the line, nobody knows what's going to happen in 10 to 20 years. 
for all we know, the bubble could burst. Everyone talks about cable. Who's to say the streaming market doesn't burst in 10 to 20 years? What if we have all these ad like ad supported versions of Netflix and all these places that you still have to pay for and they still put the commercials in things change. Who's to say in 10 to 15 to 20 years, the consumers say, screw this. We're done with streaming. This is too much work. Uh, we're not, you know, we had just too many separate companies. We can't have them all. And they all go down and maybe there's some big merger between all of them. And it looks so different than it would be. We just don't know what's going to happen in 10 to 20 years. Think about it 10 years ago. The original version of the network was just getting started then, which was a miserable failure for the, for the record that WWE did, the WWE Network, the original version. Uh, all of that's coming in to play to the international audience. Still had the network, uh, even though it went all went to Peacock in the U.S., which uh, me and Nello are both from. So... All of that's going to be rolled into this Netflix deal. We don't know how they're going to handle the archive and all of that yet. That remains to be seen. But for Raw, it's going to Netflix. That is their thing. Netflix jumping in. They want some of that live sports game, obviously, like their reasoning. And from their perspective, the deal is really good. Because if all goes well for them, the 20-year contract is pretty much locked in how they would want it. And if they don't deliver their end of the bargain pretty much like SmackDown with Fox. At first, Fox loved them. They were super hyped for it. They wanted to do big numbers. <laughs> they got that one big thing, the first episode with The Rock coming in, uh, and they got that big $4 million, uh, 4 million people audience uh, for the first episode of SmackDown. It kept going down and down. They didn't live up to their expectations, and they soured on them. They cooled on them, and they didn't even really want it back by the end of the contract. Uh, you know, And that wasn't even five years ago in and of itself. Uh, so at that point, who's to say in five years, if they don't deliver Netflix can cut their losses and say, we're done with WWE. Uh, it's time to move on from that. Maybe they'll take a look at soccer. Uh, maybe basketball will be changed. The landscape will change because these sports contracts are, everybody knows is carrying the cable game right now, but the terms of the deal look great at face value for WWE, but it's actually much, much more beneficial when you dig into it to Netflix. Uh, going in there. So what do you think? No more. I guess they will not say the longest running uh, cable television show anymore because they will not be on table cable anymore for raw. Uh, what do you think of raw to Netflix and the terms of the contract? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have talked about how with the actual years on it, it's not as much money as they thought, but um, you know, for, for non us WWE fans, <laughs> This is a dream come true. Everything is on this service now, PLEs, whatever. And I see with WWE, has, if they've indicated anything in their business strategy in the past couple of years, it's way more emphasis on international expansion, um, elimination chamber, money in the bank, backlash clash at the castle etc and this netflix deal i feel like is going to seamlessly and the most easily um you know way to essentially bring wwe to non-us uh countries now that said to be a u.s wwe fan now you have to have peacock subscription for ple's a netflix subscription to watch raw basic cable to watch smackdown on usa 
and then a broadcast television subscription to watch NXT on the CW. So if you're a US WWE fan that likes to watch all four shows weekly when there is a PLE, like this is so fucked. <laughs> I think like it's it's really like the most disorganized clusterfuck of stuff. Um, you know, before you had USA, Fox, and Peacock for PLEs, and now everything. And of course, I, I imagine that this is a for now, not forever type deal. Um, you know, like whenever the PLE stuff, the the Peacock rights are up, I imagine they could go to Netflix. It would make the most sense. Um, you know, but and this also still um, real quick, but um, you know. The USA deal with Raw ends in October, which leaves a three-month gap for where will USA air in the – or sorry, where will Raw air in the interim, you know, between October and debuting end of January on Netflix. And I believe when WWE was asked, you know, they basically said it's something that we are currently figuring out, which is pretty surprising um <laughs> to hear that but yeah that will be interesting to see what happens there as well i would assume a three-month extension with usa um but also i don't know if they'd be interested in that especially with them getting SmackDown. so and you know and also what days will these shows fall on now et cetera. Et cetera. so a lot of questions there um, not so many answers, but yeah, long story short, I think for international fans, this is like the ultimate deal and package. It's a one-stop shop. And for us fans, um, you know, Peacock, Netflix and cable, you're looking at, you know, probably a hundred dollars a month to watch all WWE content, just pretty fucked. But I don't think WWE cares about that. <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't think they care about that at all. Um, yeah, I just think that it's the end of an era. It's a risk, though. I uh, take take yourself off of cable. Um, it's something you know, it's something we don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know what the Hulu numbers are on their ninety-minute versions of their shows, but I can't imagine it's enough to sustain a company. On to be honest with you, uh, at this point, they're they're trying something way different, and again, and who knows? Maybe it may be wild successful, wildly successful. In five years, they could say. I mean, they're gonna say it anyway, even if it's not true. <laughs> they could be like, "We've got 28 million subscribers on Netflix that are all watching Raw." Uh, they put those big numbers up. Uh, again, maybe it might not be true. The ratings discussions are gonna be a lot different now. Uh, I know Netflix has been keeping track of, of certain things about that, and we'll probably see that getting out <laughs> about uh, minutes watched and, and numbers and all that stuff. We'll see how Netflix handles that, what kind of information, what kind of data we'll get off of it. Um, the company itself, it makes you wonder uh, what other negotiations there were for Raw that you would do this kind of contract uh, what they were trying to do was Nick Khan on board with this? Is this like was this his idea? Or did he just say, "Look, we have to get out from cable somehow. If cable's going to go down, we've got to move away from it. We have to take our flagship to this other service, which is ingrained in a lot of Americans' minds at this point, uh, the Netflix deal. So it's a lot to to take in. 
nobody really knows what's going to happen because again we're taking so many different moving parts that how is it going to hold up we can't really say for sure but to me i think that netflix definitely won the deal as of right now <laughs> but that could all change they they could come out looking like geniuses by the end if a bubble burst here and there <laughs> and they were ahead of the they were ahead of it you know they got ahead of the storm so to speak uh, and we'll see how that plays out overall but uh, Raw moved to Netflix uh, coming in. We'll see how that plays out for viewers everywhere, international and in the U.S. <laughs> and for uh, us now, we're going to go ahead and take a trip into the actual Royal Rumble itself here. Uh, this is a situation where obviously this was not a, pr- a show that was built on a lot going on. It was mainly the two Rumble matches. You had only two other matches on the show uh, both title matches from SmackDown, but we knew, and even still, it was a four-hour show. Uh, like re- despite four, only four matches, uh, we were able to pull out here. So many commercials and stuff on Peacock for for this to to drag that out as well. Dude, when they're like, okay, so let's take a look at the Royal Rumble numbers by the year for our Peacock Premium subscribers, and then I just don't get to see any video packages. I just have to watch like an ad. And it's just so fucking dumb. Um, also, you did say we're going to take a trip. So to introduce this um, Royal Rumble, uh, you know, I think who better than to represent the WWE in this time than notable racist Hulk Hogan as he invites us on down, Dylan, to take a trip to Clearwater, Florida, the St. Petersburg tourist area. It's sunny year round. So come on down, take a trip. So here we are, Dylan, Clearwater, Florida. How are you feeling? Well, like I said, it was my birthday when this happened, <laughs> uh, and I was not exactly very hyped for this show <laughs> overall. I watched it with the family. Uh, seeing Hogan was, like I said, even in the best of times, that's nothing I want to see as a, as a fan <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, let alone now at the end of the day. Uh, we will see what what happens with Hogan going forward, but they'd already had the commercial for the new game, 2K24. This is more your areas now. Uh, the new video game. And we saw AI Hogan, a, a new Hogan <laughs> come oh in God. here, which I laughed at so much when I first saw it. Like the, especially the Stone Cold one. I was like, can you just use a game model for, for this? Like, why why do you have to do this weird AI deal? Like, just put the put the game model in there. What's wrong with that? You made it. Like, you for you own it. For some reason, whenever people have money, they just love to make cr- stupid creative decisions with it. And then when someone's like, "This is a terrible idea," then like the person in creative who's like, "Guys, this fucking sucks," gets fired. So <laughs> I feel like they're like, "Hey, we have money. What can we do with it?" And someone's like. AI Hulk Hogan, and they're like, awesome! So... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but Stone Cold was definitely the worst of, of, of all of them. Um, but Hogan was already involved in that. Uh, and then he was like the... This was in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, for the record. Uh, Tropicana Field. And he did his promo where he's like, ah... You know, he was I think he was already on a video, too. They used to hype it up on Raw where he was like, maybe I got one more in me, brother uh, there. And uh, so I guess he was already kind of involved. 
so they comes in and they're talking about uh, stuff going on. They show people walking around the building, uh, kind of similar to like a sports, you know, like, you know, if an NBA game is coming on, they'll show guys walking into the building and stuff. They kind of try to do a similar thing here uh, with that. Starting us off on the show, Pat McAfee's music hits. And he comes out. Uh, Corey is being super annoying uh, and talking about how much he sucks. And then, <laughs> then when he comes back, he's like, ah, I love you, man. <laughs> like, I just talking about how much I'm glad you're back. <laughs> and uh, Pat was like, I couldn't hear you. Too many people were chanting my name. <laughs> so he comes in. Then we start off with the Royal Rumble match for the women here. We didn't do a prediction show. I would have asked you who you thought was going to be number one. That's always a fun little spectacle. Like, who's number one? <laughs> like, who's going to win? All of that stuff. Did you come again? Like, and again, we can all brag about it now. We make ourselves look perfect. <laughs> who did you think was going to win this going, going into it? Um, Becky, who's who I thought was going to win going into it. And for number one, I can sure as shit tell you I did not think Natalia. Um, I also I saw like there was a bunch of spoilers posted on Reddit like the day of uh, I'm assuming with like Jordan Grace and stuff. But I was actually able to avoid everything to this show. So, yeah, I was pretty stoked about that. Like I said, I didn't see anything. I wasn't online. (laughs) It was my birthday. I didn't have time for that. I felt bad because a lot of people like were wishing me happy birthday on Twitter, but I just didn't have time to respond to everybody. I felt so bad about it so if anybody did th- wish me a happy birthday thank you guys so much i, I really mean that uh, I, I responded to the first wave when all japan was on but after that i just i fell asleep and i didn't have enough time but uh, anyway i did think bailey was gonna win actually like i thought it made perfect sense for the story i thought they would want to keep Rhea fresh for the elimination chamber in australia <laughs> and i think they would want the raw title up in the air for that uh but anyway natty was number one she comes out at number two was Naomi. Uh, TNA's Trinity is back. Uh, she gets the full glow-in-the-dark entrance. I think it's a great spot to debut her in. Uh, what did you think when Naomi came out? Uh, really cool. Um, much better than when Pat McAfee came out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say I was kind of... Um, like, if I'm going to nitpick, I wish she would have been able to keep her name outside of WWE because I think Trinity... You know, Trinity Fought 2 is just an infinitely better name than Naomi. Naomi. Right. And, um, you know, uh, but really cool entrance. Happy to see she's back. Um, yeah. Well, let's be fair. Naomi Hunter wore it well in, in Metal Gear Solid. He will never leave the wrestling world as long as we're around, people. I promise you that. Uh, but she comes in Bailey coming in at number three. Uh, she's here. Uh, Candice LeRae was out at number four and I let's give it up to Cheyenne. My sister who was here brought me the, my chemical romance cake for my birthday. Uh, we're going to do a show next week, by the way, too, for vengeance day. She's going to that live. Uh, she will be on Russell update for the first time. She's the one who named the show too. So, uh, she, like the most casual of wrestling fans, who knows what she will say, but I can tell you her reaction to the show. She, I don't know if she'd, she'd watched wrestling and like, or definitely not WWE in a long time. 
like a few months at least. Uh, probably maybe even a few years. <laughs> She's a big fan of Supercard. If you want, if you want to add her on that. Uh, <laughs> and she watched one AEW match, which was Kota Ibushi was in. She's like the biggest Kota Ibushi fangirl that you could ever know. Uh, so when she when he was in the War Games match that they had, <laughs> she actually watched it for that. But she's not a wrestling <laughs> true blue. So she really didn't know who Candice was. She hated Candice. She's like she didn't like her attire. I thought, hey, it looked kind of cool. You got the sky blue and the silver. She's like, I don't like it. She sucks. I don't like her. And I was like, well, she's married to Johnny Gargano. And he was like, she was like, yeah, he's a good wrestler, though. And I, so that shows you that I try not to associate with people who say stuff like that. But for <laughs> her, I, 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 I had to give her I had to give her some leeway. Number five, more of this TNA tribute match that we have Jordan Grace. Um, I thought she was handled really well. Uh, and she got a nice little pop, too. Like the fans like recognized her like here. Uh, they gave her some love. She came out with the knockouts belt. Uh, pointed to it, had great presence uh, too. She came in with a big muscle, uh, you know, big powerhouse stuff, throwing people around, looking like a badass. They even set up like kind of angles with her and stuff like, going forward if they wanted to keep using her, which was it. like they really showed her a lot of respect, way more than Mickey had a couple of years ago when they brought her in as TNA champion. Uh, I thought she looked great in the match as well. This is well received by a lot of people. Uh, well deserved. I thought she did a great job. What do you think of uh, Jordan here? Um, this was the highlight of the match for me. I thought the moment between Jordan and Naomi, um, that was, was really, really cool. beautiful where they got a hug. And um, they even mentioned it in a commentary too. They mentioned she won the title from Naomi in yep. TNA. Oh, and I, I will say I'll get it out of the way now, but I thought Pat McAfee put on a all time worst he commentary sucked. performance. He totally sucked in he this whole show. He sounded like he was drunk and had not watched WWE in four years. Cheyenne um, knew more. She would have been a better commentator than Pat McAfee, I think, on the show. Definitely more being knowledge. like, she's a TNA women's champion? And just like, <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> TNA? He killed every moment. It was obnoxious. Like, this dude was like Matt Stryker, AAA, MLW fucking levels of just terrible um really didn't care for him that said i really really love this moment but that that's like unfortunately just ringing in my head as i think of it um do you know jordan grace eliminating uh god damn it who did she eliminate it was like a big one. Oh uh, yeah that's right i i know you're talking about let me look up the list of eliminations i will tell you right now um uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe she didn't eliminate anyone anyway, because now I'm looking at it and it doesn't really look like she did. But her elimination sequence with Bianca, I thought was really cool. The KOD on the apron looked amazing. I actually thought this women's rumble match, and I'll talk about it more as we get to the end, but had some really just overall brutal elimination spots that I appreciated a lot. So, yeah, I, I thought that Naomi and Jordan Grace was like truly the highlight of this show. Yeah. Jordan Grace did great. <laughs> Kudos to her. And I thought she did a fantastic job. Uh, Indy Hartwell was next. Cheyenne pot for her. Cause she was like, Oh, she's married to ne- Dexter. Uh, Cheyenne, big <laughs> Dexter Loomis fan. Uh, like I said, uh, a Clarksville, I, he wrestled in the company. There's this guy, Crimson and TNA. He had a company in her hometown. And I think he was a part of it when he's still Sam Shaw. Uh, so she she was very hyped that Indy was married to Nick Dexter, so she she voted for that. Um, 
Asuka came out for number seven, and this was totally weird. So she comes out, and Bailey's like afraid of Asuka coming out. Like, whoa, what? What are you doing here? <laughs> like, and I was like totally baffled by this. First of all, like I know they're doing the turn, like they're teasing the turn and all of that, but like you knew she was gonna be in the the thing, like you knew she was gonna be in the match. What what was so bad about this? And then they just teamed up and they worked together. So Bailey's acting was off point here, in my opinion. Uh, Ivan Isle was out next. Oh, also too, Asuka and Kyrie won the tag titles uh, last night from Caden and and Katana Chance as well. Ivy Niles comes out next. A Katana Chance is in next. Uh, she's coming in, fired up and stuff. No care in the world to losing the tag titles. <laughs> one, one night prior, uh, they do. Jordan and Ivy have a have a big moment where they both do the stalling suplex. Um, Jordan lift Katana Chance and uh, Ivy lifted uh, Candice, and she was like, uh, she wasn't as Shine wasn't as impressed with Jordan because like, oh, Grace is gonna win. She's got more power, but she's like, no, but Candice is a little bigger than than uh, Katana, so it's it's harder for Ivy. She said on there uh so also also a weightlifting expert uh cheyenne as well that's something she won't tell you but i'll I'll tell you now but bianca comes in number 10 she fires up on damage control Kyrie's out next uh coming in and her spot this to me was my highlight of the show her near elimination where she had this like she held on backwards to the apron and planted her feet against the board like spider-man and she was inches from the ground. It was amazing. Like I don't know how she physically did this or how she was planning to get back in the ring. After a minute or so, she just kind of fell. I think they could have done it if she had just if she had just done it to where they had held on to her. I think they would have had to grab her whole body, like her, her chin and her arms. If she could have bounced on one foot and pushed herself up, she could have gotten out. But it was it was so hard. And when she fell, the crowd booed after this amazing spot. But Kyrie looked great. She had the gear on. Uh, she was fired up. Very short. I was so surprised to see Asuka and Kyrie go out so early. But I thought they w- worked really well together. Yeah, I mean, with their inclusion, I definitely expect Bailey to face Io. Um, yeah, that's you know, what this, I thought. The storyline coming up makes sense of Bailey's like, hey, guys, I won the Rumble. Let's get all the titles. And then they just fucking lay her out. You're a threat now. Yeah. And, you know, totally agree. Like the the whole Asuka coming out and Bailey being like, what thing was kind of weird. And, you know, it's yeah, like who, backed off. Like, don't do it. Like, don't come after me. Like, that's yeah. Like, and I I watch pretty frequently. And at the very least, I keep up with all of the review shows and this whole thing just felt like Cole really had to sell it in the moment because even as someone who keeps up with the product, I was confused by this. Um, you know, as a device to plant seeds for a turn, like, oh, well, we didn't listen to Bailey. Sure. But again, I think there's different ways than to do rumble spots. And then when they got eliminated, she was yelling at him. She's like, this is like, what about the plan? <laughs> she she yep. was like... Uh, which that was fine. Like I was fine with that. It was her acting afraid right away to know for no reason. Like Oscar immediately helped her. And it was just, I, I feel like somebody must've played a rib on her or something. Like they booked it like, Hey Bailey, we need you to act really scared when Oscar comes in and nobody told anybody else. <laughs> like about it. She, she was, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Tegan Knox comes in, uh, at 12 here. Uh, 
she hits uh, a senton splash like a molly go round uh bailey here katie carter's coming in next at 13 uh her and katana come in we can see a lot of the teams coming in that's when oscar Kyrie get t- tossed out again very like not it was obviously like, okay, so they lost the titles, but they got revenge on them in the Rumble. But with Asuka especially, I thought she would have meant more at this point. Last year, she was one of the final people in and the biggest stars. Yep. Chelsea Green's here at number 14. They they tease her going out after five seconds again, but she was like the comedy glue of this match. What were you going to say? Yeah, um, I thought just a fun little subversion. Obviously, she comes in five seconds and she's able to stay in um you know chelsea's fun i i did enjoy her work a lot in gcw um you know before she came back and i think she she's someone who i honestly cannot tell you about any matches she's been in but she is a character that i have enjoyed watching for a while god as far back as laurel van ness (laughs) yeah the demented uh bride (laughs) like the jilted bride um, she came out with a rainbow uh, deal on uh, with her <laughs> entrance. Cole, certainly an interesting, unique outfit. <laughs> yeah, she, she had the pink and the blue as well in her color under it as well. So yeah, shout out to that. It was it was very interesting, as Michael Cole would say, I guess. Uh, there, uh, Piper comes out next, uh, and they throw Chelsea off, and she catches uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Teases like she's gonna drop her to the ground, but then just brings her in. Uh, Zia Lee comes in doing all kinds of uh, cool shit, <laughs> pretty much like uh, kicking people and all that. Zelina comes in. And what what did you think of this <laughs> entrance gear here with Zelina Vega? Dude, OK, so I must have looked away for 10 seconds and I completely missed this. But I keep hearing everyone talk about it. How would you describe this to someone who just fucking missed it somehow because yeah i i still do not know what this looks like but i've heard it described as this would not allow you to pass through tsa security line how do you travel with this she must have driven so i'm literally just picturing her in like a transformer suit the best way i could describe it uh is i i think I don't know if this is for certain. I think she was representing Gundam with, with this interest. Oh, shut the fuck up. It was a mech thing. Yeah. Yeah. She oh, my like, God. That was a guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just. <laughs> well, yeah. Just uh, like I said, you can look it up. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, there she had the thing at the back uh, with the wings. And they were like metal looking. Uh, and it was it was pretty cool. Like she's known for her big entrances and things like that. Yeah, it's honestly a lot of wrestlers have always done like the whole cosplay gear. And I yeah. think a lot like, dude, remember Adam Cole coming out in his Master Chief outfit? It looked like a little kid at Halloween. Yeah, like, it's that, not yeah. always great, but I feel like Zelina is someone who has definitely made cosplay into a cool part of her sort of repertoire. And not only that, it got her paid at one point when she was in Street Fighter Six as the, the commentator. Yeah. So. You, you gotta like that. Shout out to Zelina Vega, Shout right out. there. Uh, Cheyenne was very uh, disturbed at the uh, the LWO theme uh, for, for this because like Eddie Guerrero is her favorite wrestler ever, just like Sasha Banks <laughs> out there. And so she was like, "Why are they using Eddie's theme 
I was like, it's the LWO. And she's like, what's that? Like, like the Latino World Order. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, Carlito's in that. She was like, yeah, cool, <laughs> Carlito. Uh, but anyway, Maxine's out at 18. And she looked, oh, <laughs> stinky. <laughs> like, this was rotten, this performance from Maxine. Even in a rumble, she stood out as being very bad in the ring. And I think it may be time. <laughs> Even Cheyenne was like, she's not a good wrestler, is she? And I was like, well, she's had like five matches. And I, and at the end, I said, it's, it's time to go back to the academy, I think, <laughs> for her. 19, Nia Jax, who's kind of like the glue of this match in, in a lot of ways, where she was the one everyone looked at. <laughs> she gets the big monster spot, eliminating everybody. Uh, it, including my girl Zaya, uh, Ivy and I was out next. Uh, they tried doing some big girl standoffs with her and Piper, but uh, Nia won. Um, Chelsea got crushed a bunch of times, which Shine did laugh at. To be fair, uh, Shotzi comes out in the tank uh, up next, and <laughs> Pat McAfee okay. was like, <laughs> "Are you talking about the missiles?" Yeah, yeah, he's like, they don't shot real missiles on SmackDown. That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy just sounded so fucking out of it. And, like, it's not like the fun, like, you know, kind of, like, unscripted, like, oh, they're not his corporate commentator. It literally just felt like this guy slammed a bottle of vodka before coming out <laughs> and had not watched WWE in six months. Like, when they, when Shinsuke Nakamura comes out and they're like, oh, Pat, maybe don't dance for him. He's been doing some bad things. And it cuts and pats on his chair. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, it was fucking ridiculous. Yes. Uh, so Becky comes in at 21. Your favorite for the match comes in. She gets the big fiery spot. <laughs> throws out Chelsea finally after her shenanigans. Alba Fire comes out. And I say, uh, and this is me saying this to Shia now, I say, who the hell is that? And she goes, oh, that's Alba Fire, of course. I was like, oh, is that her? <laughs> like, because, I mean, I like, I, I, hey, I'm a huge Kaylee Ray fan. It's just the gimmick was the witch stuff. That it was like, what's with the staff and the Lord of the Rings and all this bull crap here? And she's like, oh, yeah, I have her on Supercard. Uh, and I was like, OK, <laughs> like, like, whatever. That's so uh, funny. So, uh, she, listen, Cheyenne's setting the record straight on <laughs> Alba Fire here. God, Kaylee Ray was someone who really came in, like, what, had multiple matches against Mako Satamora, and then the second she stepped foot in, like, US NXT, her and Isla Dawn, I'm like, they're both pretty fucking good talents, um, especially when you compare them to your... God, like Valhalla had a match on TV this week, right? And like Maxine Dupree and just a lot of the women are on TV. Like Dawn and and Fire is so much better, but yeah, they really feel like they're in almost that like Viking Raiders geek like supernatural type gimmick where like yeah, exactly. Like it's one of those things where they use their gimmick against them is like criticisms where when she gets eliminated, it was Cole or McAfee go. Well, I guess the dark arts didn't protect her that much tonight. And I'm like, see, like their whole gimmick is like, oh, we're kind of like occult dark arts people. But then it's like they just get made fun of for it. And what the fuck is the point of having the gimmick then? It reminds me of like um, that the surface it always reminds me of is Cole calling Daniel Bryan a goat and being like, he's a Ugh. vegan weirdo. He's a little geek. And it's like that same kind of just like. You're just burying the fucking talent. Like, that's really it. 
To be fair, Brian was awesome. And this is a geek gimmick. <laughs> to be fair with this, with the dark arts and all of that. I never like any of that stuff. I don't care if it's Malachi Black <laughs> doing it or anybody. Uh, I just uh, cannot get behind this like type of look. And hey, Fire is a great worker. Like uh, she's one of the better wrestlers in the match. Probably Dawn is okay. Like I, I don't think she's as good as Fire personally. And the promo stylings I really don't like. But her as a worker is, is fine. Like she wrestled and started before. She's a, she's a fine worker. Fire I think has a lot of great to her. The gimmick I really can't get past. Uh, to, to be honest, unfortunately, and she did some cool stuff. She hit the double KLR bar bomb at one point to Shotzi and Zelina at the same time. That looked cool. Uh, Shayna was out at 23, and they put her over. The, uh, you know, Michael Cole was like, "She's the best Rumble competitor there's ever been." Uh, you know, she, you would she never like, know. <laughs> yeah, <that's> a, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it didn't make any sense at all. I mean, she, he did bring up that she she tied for the most eliminations one year, uh, and all year that. She was, bit Becky, right? When oh yeah, dude, yeah. They made her look like a fucking monster. Yeah, she was undefeated in the chamber as well, like eliminated all five people in there. It's crazy that after she beat Ronda, I never realized that it was for the rights to Ronda Rousey's makeup stylist. So oh yeah! Congrats to Shayna on on winning Ronda Rousey's makeup artist. <laughs> Those just like, dude, the eyes. Anytime she comes out, have you ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah, I love that show. I always who's think the, of who Mac is the D the of who's the D of the, the women's division. The D who always gets blamed. Honestly, dude, I could see it as Becky could be like a low key D. <laughs> she could pretty well. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But go on, do your point. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying, like, anytime I see Shayna's eye makeup, I think of fucking Mac um, with the cat eyes from Nightman Cometh every single time. Dude, it's just that makeup, and I can never not think about it. So, anyway, that that's my tangent. <laughs> well, that's all you can say about her, her run in this match, anyway. Valhalla's out next, and Michael Cole's so annoying here talking about the antlers. <laughs> Another geek gimmick in the, like in this match. Uh, but suddenly, our truth comes out. Uh, he runs into the ring. Nia's there, throws him over the top rope. And Adam Pierce is there. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, and truth is like, are you telling me those are all women in there? And then uh, Valhalla gets eliminated right away. And she starts to try and attack our truth And they're like, let's go, Truth. <laughs> and they run backstage away from Valhalla. Um. The R-Truth stuff in this match didn't wasn't that good. In my opinion, I, I didn't think this was very funny, actually. No, it felt very flat. And again, it's in your biggest women's collective match of the year, same as the men's. I still think it's so weird to do these fucking spots. Um, like, it just gives big Kikataro in the Stardom Rumble, you know? Where I'm like, okay, so why do you have to put, like, this whole, like two minute like there's there's someone on the roster a woman who's worked all year that could have had that spot right um and so i don't know it should have been wendy chu who who did this god damn the return please my queen i would have marked out so hard if that had happened (laughs) but like dude it's just i don't know it's lazy i love our truth but yeah totally agree this felt very flat for me and i don't know just it's one of those things where like when Santina Morella used to come out, remember, 
um, for like these matches in the wig and stuff. I'm just like, there's really nothing better you could think of. Well, that was worse. <laughs> I will say that was blatantly offensive. Uh, <laughs> this was just not that funny in, in my yeah. opinion. Like we get it, truth nuts. <laughs> like he does weird stuff, but I just didn't think this hit that much overall. Uh, Mia Yim comes out next, 25, and she had like a really cool run here. She was hitting all kinds of cool Dude, moves. She's good. Like I, ever since she fought EO, it feels like she's gotten a bit of a resurgence. Um, Did I not tell you that? Like I was the one who suggested that match to you, brother. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, it was just, I don't know. It was very, she, like, if I'm thinking about actual work rate in this match, there's a couple people, I would say Bianca, Liv, yeah. Jade, um, Jordan. And then I yep. really like in, in terms of your first sequence out though, uh, Mia's was probably the most memorable. She just looks great. It also looks like um, she has really, and I I never really like to talk about bodies, so I, I I'm trying to do my best to not talk about this in, in the sense of like the her body and her appearance herself. But it, it looks like she has done a lot of work outside as well in terms of kind of I don't know redesigning her look. I guess you could say like um. Yeah, yeah, I thought I she know. looked so, great like, I, yeah. with the with the blue like she's got going on. Uh, I, I think she looks really cool, <laughs> like great look. Like uh, I I like her promo. She's very charismatic. Uh, she's a like really underrated. I think like on on the roster just in general. I think that's somebody they could really get a lot more out of yeah. uh, if if they tried. Uh, Zoe comes in twenty six. Uh, she hits the big uh, uh, swan dive drop kick uh, from the springboard. Uh, Zelina's doing some big stuff there. Uh, and but basically, in the end, Zoe and Shayna teamed up together, had fist bump and stuff. So they, like another team that utilizes this match. Uh, Roxanne Perez is out at number 27, uh, which is always the number everybody points to as the, the big number in the Royal Rumbles. Uh, she didn't get as big of a pop as even Jordan, but she looked good. I thought her wrestling was good in the match uh, overall. Um, so they come in. Nia's doing some more powerhouse stuff, and she stood in the middle of the ring, and who gets it at 28? <laughs> but they say, and I quote, a storm is coming. <laughs> so no change from any AEW character coming in, because Jade Cargill was out at number 28, and she was used basically perfectly here. Um, when she lifted Nia on top, both Cheyenne and Ken sat up. It was like, whoa. Uh, she hit. She locked her up on the Samoa drop and then flexed with one arm while she did it. The crowd she gave a huge pop. She looked awesome and then threw Nia out. Uh, like perfect booking for a pretty limited performer still, but still she looked like a superhero like doing that to Nia. Yeah, no, I thought like once she came out, I was like, okay, this everything with Naya makes a lot more sense now. I yeah. thought they really set the spot up well. Um, you know, if there's, I, I, without jumping ahead to the men's, I don't think any of the men were really made tonight. But man, I thought they debuted Jade in a very, very strong way. Um, oh, absolutely! I was super stoked about this, honestly. A great point too about Naya, <laughs> like everything they did with Naya. Basically, the last month led to this being as cool and b as big as it was. As they showed after she tossed out Naya, the feud that they've been building is Naya and Becky. They immediately cut 
to Becky with the shocked Pikachu face uh, when, uh, you know, she was looking at Naya laughing at her. Uh, Jade was like, uh huh, I did that. She's like, I'm that bitch. <laughs> like, she, you know, he, she brought her own catchphrase did, back. Oh my, no, didn't fucking Corey Graves say something like, did she just say, I'm that chick? And I was like, shut oh, well, well. up, dude. Well, she didn't say that. She, I'm pretty sure she said, I'm that bitch, but I think you're right that she did. <laughs> that he did say that. Like, okay, you're, you're WWE fighting this, <laughs> this catchphrase now. Um, but I mean, it still looked great though, despite Corey Graves being a piece of trash as a commentator as, as always um yeah but i thought it was such good booking <laughs> great use of naya again another limited performer it shows you when you put your mind to it you can get the most out of people naya like hey naya and becky was a, a like solid match like we talked about it on day one like that match worked good she she did good in this match um and J- it all built to a great win for jade here tiffany stratton in at number 29 you can't be jealous of her because whoever was going to come in was going to look lesser than Jade after what we saw with Naya, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, but she hit this, the big swanton bomb on like five people in the ring. Um, coming in, doing some power stuff as well. <laughs> like, again, like the NXT girls, they put Roxanne and Tiffany in these spots. Probably the two best workers they have. I thought they worked well, but they just didn't do anything very memorable in terms of eliminations or anything like that. Uh, overall, yeah. outside, outside of uh, Tiffany's elimination on Bianca, which we will talk about uh, very briefly, uh, who was it going to be at number thirty? Back from jail, it's Liv Morgan uh, coming in here, uh, coming off of her arrest. Stunner uh, Queen. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the, like I said, we cannot deny it. It's legally down that that is. But uh, she came in, <laughs> skipping out. She looked great in the match. I uh, came in hitting all kinds of high impact moves, uh, working really hard. Uh, they they came down to each other. I had a lot of people. I you know people like Naomi and Becky. Um, you know Becky got eliminated. Really, like it wasn't a big deal. Like she just got accidentally bumped out by Naomi, and it was like I thought they would make her getting eliminated into this big moment. And it really wasn't. I think that was the, another way they kind of blew this match a little bit. They should have had a much bigger elimination for Becky than it was. Um, Tiffany, gra- they, Tiffany, Bianca are on the apron, and Tiffany like grabs onto her braid and bends Bianca backwards, and it looks like so painful and dangerous, dude. Uh, yes, it, it was crazy. Um, so sorry, just to to talk about yeah. uh, Bianca uh, or sorry Becky, um. I was definitely taken aback and I got excited though. Um, I thought that it was like, rather than having Jade directly eliminate Becky, it was the arrival of Jade is a catalyst for Becky's elimination. Um, And if there's anyone that I would like to see run like first time programs with people, um, it's Becky. I really think she is the strongest asset in the women's division. Oh, yeah, um, agreed. You know, and I, I, I liked that. It was like this. It was one degree of separation, right? Um, is how Becky got eliminated. And then, dude, yeah, this Bianca elimination from Tiffany was the first of two. I thought, and, and you know, this or I would say the second of three 
absolutely brutal ring uh, apron bump eliminations in this match. The first with the KOD, the second here, like this, like, and the angle they shot it from too, it looked like when Bianca got torn down. Um, yeah. When they did the replay, you could see it from the other one, but holy fuck, dude, it sounded like she just hit. And it looked like she got to post a little in the replay or whatever, but I was just like, fuck, that was nasty. And then, of course, the the final with Jade, but yes, please, sorry, I interrupted uh, so it came down to Jade, uh, Bailey, and Liv. Uh, they were all on the apron, and uh, at one point, Liv hit the oblivion on Jade uh, on the apron and sent Jade flying to the outside. And immediately, Bailey kicked Liv out from under the the rope to knock her out. So Bailey got the win. Uh, you know, they said the 63 uh, minutes for Bailey here. Uh, so she was kind of like the Iron Woman. I really liked the counter, too, because they did it in the men's match, too. <laughs> like, during the match, they had they kept bringing up, like, the top three longest in the match. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool idea. Uh, next year, I hope that they have, like, who eliminated the most as well as something they track. <laughs> like, every time somebody gets an elimination, put the stat up, like, oh, Nia's got her fourth uh, elimination in this match. Like, have the stats, use them. I liked it. It had a real sports feel to it. Yeah, totally agree. I definitely am a fan of WWE. Um, you know, we've seen it reported this past week, but trying to integrate more sports centric um, production approaches. Uh, yeah, now and, that Kevin Dunn's out. Yep, I love it. Like the whole people walking up to the arena earlier in the day, like your little entrances and all that stuff. I enjoy that stuff a lot. Um, so, yeah. What did you think of the women's match? I thought this was the one good match on the show. Um, you know, I would max go probably like three and a quarter. Um, Rumble matches are long, and for some reason it just feels like they're getting a lot longer. Um, you know, this itself could have been the show. <laughs> like, I think once this was over, we were almost two hours in already. Um so I liked it a lot. And then immediately after, though, I was sort of like, how much longer can this possibly go? And for me, it was like I was definitely ready to go straight into the men's rumble. Um, and it just felt like everything following this was dead air. But I thought that they absolutely crushed this opening. Um, you know, with the spots that they had, I thought they made some really meaningful ones between Naomi and Jordan, some really cool and memorable eliminations with Liv hitting Jade again, Bianca and the braid with Tiffany. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was good. This is one of my favorite, like, uh, women's rumbles probably. What about you? I think so too. I think this is one of the best women's rumbles they've had. Like in years past, I think they've all kind of sucked, honestly, like for the most part. This one, I thought you had surprises. You had big moments. You had cool spots that were memorable. Uh, they set up multiple angles for different people. They even teased the stare down with Jade and Bianca. Like that's an obvious dream match type of scenario. Yep. It wouldn't surprise me if that is the WrestleMania match, honestly, <laughs> like if they wanted to get down to it. Uh uh, you know, you had people look great. They booked it, it pretty well. It wasn't like one of the best rumbles overall. Like it wasn't like super great or exciting, but I thought they did a lot right with the women's match. And definitely compared to the men's match, I thought they did a lot better. Uh, the inmates agree with us. 
7.34 rating, like by far the highest rated match on the show. Uh, and I agree with that. But it was just they had some creativity. There were some lull spots early on, especially when they tried to focus it on Maxine. I think that really brought the match to a halt. But they still had some cool stuff. Then Becky came in shortly after and the match picked up again. I think that when Becky came up, that's when the match really hit into the next year. Because you had a lot of cool stuff there. I would have had Asuka and Kyrie, especially Asuka, stay in longer. Asuka uh, has been kind of like the glue of these matches in the past. And I think you could have gotten a lot of good stuff with her. <laughs> like we didn't even get a missed spot in this match or anything like that. You would have thought you would have done something there. Bailey winning's fine. I thought she would win for the reasons I stated at the start. I think that's the obvious match. I'm not huge into her, but when she came out, the crowd gave her a great reaction. Like they were really chanting for her a lot, and I think she was the one people wanted to win. We'll see what the future of Babyface Bailey is uh, when this is all over. But for me personally, as a fan, I'm not really that into her actually lately. I don't think she's had a lot of great performances uh, in the ring. We'll, and her character is tired for sure. And I'm glad that they're going to change it. I'm open-minded to giving it a chance. And that title reign for EO needs something because her title reign has been a total dud in my opinion. Uh, like good wrestling with, with Mia, but there's no interesting angle or care put into it by the company. Unfortunately, like they need, if they put the care that Rhea had, for her title reign, I think you get something great out of it. But right now, I think they need a, a, bo a boost for everybody involved. So I think it makes sense. Looking forward to what they do with Jade. I'm not convinced that she'll be a great in-ring worker or anything like that. But I thought that they used her in a really strong way. And Jordan Grace, that was really cool. Uh, on Twitter, she posted, like, this ain't the last you've seen a TNA. <laughs> so it looks like TNA and WWE working together a little bit here. Um, I guess the AEW TNA thing is not going to be continuing from the, from the way this is going as well. Um, do you have any ideas? Because last time it, it didn't really go anywhere when Mickey came in. Do you think that there'll be more to this or do you think it'll just be, hey, if we can get somebody for the Rumble, bring them in. And that that's about it. Um, Like, here's the thing. It would be cool. But then I feel like, you know, we may walk into a situation that's. Um, like it's kind of like UFC where it's always yeah. really cool when a champion goes elsewhere or like another division or another promotion yeah. and get some shine there. But then I think it just takes away from their main show. Um, I would love to see Jordan Grace in WWE. I thought she looked better than the majority of the actual contracted women. Uh yeah, I was about um, to say that might but, be the thing that happens. She might just get signed straight out. And then that'll be, yeah, that'll be and and that's the, yeah, and like I would much rather her be in, in TNA for now, just because again, then it's like um, you know, okay, she's the champion in TNA and she's undefeated, but now she's lost on WWE TV, and I think that's where you start to really you know lose steam with characters and championships, and I don't know, TNA has done so much to improve. That I I don't really care to see it, I guess. For her part, Cheyenne looked at me and said, TNA still around? <laughs> I said, yeah, like they just came back. And uh, she was like, wow, I thought they died 10 years ago. <laughs> and I said, no, nah, they're still around. Um, <laughs> but 
hopefully this like they're starting off things good uh, with hard to kill. You had the big rah rah speeches. Uh, you got Jordan in the WWE. I don't think they'll go too far with it, honestly. <laughs> like that kind of goes against how WWE usually handles things. But I think you could do some good if you wanted to. I think more than anything, the best way they could use that relationship, <laughs> send people from NXT to TNA. Like for a run, like have Tiffany be the knockouts champion for for a little while, like get her to wrestle different people, different styles. It can only help her be a little bit better. But um, yeah, Uh, Bailey winning, I'm fine with it. Uh, It's not my favorite wrestler, but I think from a storyline purpose, (laughs) it pretty much makes sense. So up next, we've got our favorite Roman Reigns match (laughs) up next here. Uh, we got a fatal four-way, LA Knight, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Roman. Uh, they said Orton was a 20-time champion. And they were like, they looked at me and they were like, is he really a 20-time champion? I was like, all the belts combined, maybe? Like, you know, because that would be beat Flair's record if that happened. They would have made a big deal out of that, right? Uh, but anyway, it's whatever. Who, who knows what kind of math WWE's using now uh, for their title rights. Even OVW titles also count as world titles now in the WWE world. Uh, I thought this match was so boring. Uh, maybe it was coming off of the last match with the excitement and all of that stuff. Um, AJ tried to ha- have some fire in this match. LA Knight did some good things, but Orton and Roman Reigns might have been, well have been wrestling on slow motion, and especially Roman. That's always his matches. They're all the same. You had the interference with the people pulling out the ref. Uh, there was absolutely nothing special about this match at all. Like, totally boring and un- uninteresting. I would give this a, a one-star match. I thought it was dreadful. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I think you nailed it perfectly. Um, I was cracking up, too, especially at the men's rumble. The ending is, you know, a pseudo fatal four way. And I was just like, it's fucked up how much better this was within 60 seconds than the entirety of your world title match. Um, like I said before, this was dead air. Absolute filler when L.A. Knight's yep. the workhorse of your match. Yeah, you um, know, it's gone wrong. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I texted friends halfway through and I just said, this has to be the slowest fatal four way I have ever seen in my life. Um, I Here's the thing, too. Like, I thought Reigns was booked like absolute shit in this match. Too. <laughs> Not that I'm a fan of this guy, but he for 90 percent of the match felt like he just took a finisher and then laid there. And then when the other guy was about to win, Solo comes out or he fucking does something or like, dude, it was just lazy. Like, I I would straight up go dud on this because there was no tension. Never once did I think someone else was going to win. Like, I don't see the value in a Roman Reigns match anymore unless it's at WrestleMania. Almost, That's it. Right? Like, there, there isn't any. Exactly. There, there's absolutely no value. L.A. Knight. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, no one's going to remember this match in a fucking month. And there um, was no way any of these guys were winning the title before WrestleMania on top of it. I think no, they would have been better like, off going with a, a If I had done, changed it, I would have a super underdog challenger. <laughs> like some, someone in the lower mid card, you could have a 10-minute match with. But somebody that, like, we know they're not going to win, but just lasting with Roman, getting that one near fall would mean something. <laughs> like... I don't know who that would be exactly on SmackDown, like, but maybe somebody like Car- Carmelo 
Like, you know, instead of him in the Rumble, what if he was the challenger for Roman? Like somebody nobody believes can win the title, but just having him go the distance against Roman, put him on, put him against the ropes. Maybe you could do the stupid solo spot and that that could be something for him. That would at least mean something for him. These other guys, he's wrestled all these guys and there's nowhere you can go with them after this. So it's it was a total waste of time. Yeah. And, you know, talking just just to continue on or to riff on what you were just saying. Um, I think we saw someone debut in the Men's Royal Rumble who had the complete opposite reaction a Naomi did um, in terms of their performance and impact. And that was Andrade. I thought was an absolute nothing in the Men's Royal Rumble match. Um, and like, you know, no real notable eliminations. He returned fourth. Um, he was like thrown in the ring with what Jim and Jay, Jay and Jimmy Uso and fucking Grayson Waller. And he was, you know, eliminated pretty unceremoniously and didn't really make much of an impact. Man, imagine if Adam Pierce said, you know what? I'm going to. Okay, Mystery opponent. This. Yeah, Adam Pierce is in a backstage segment with the um, the actress girls. And he uh, no, I is, don't want to imagine this. <laughs> and he's like, I'm bringing in an assassin. No, um, I think you could have absolutely done something. Yeah, mystery opponent. You're not going to be able to prepare for him. I'm going to keep you on your toes. And then you redebut Andrade like that. You have Andrade take Roman to the limit. This was what? This match was a perfect idea. 20 That's minutes. even better than mine. Yeah. Yeah, the match was 20 minutes. You could have had a 20-minute match for Andrade. Again, near falls that means something. At the end, Roman fucks him over. Andrade doesn't necessarily lose, right, in that greater sense. And you now you've redebuted someone who you obviously want to invest in in a, in a meaningful way, you know. So I just yeah. he would have gained from that. Nobody gained from this match nope. <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, uh, U.S. title match, Logan Paul and KO. Uh, this all came about. They teased stuff with the hand. Logan Paul did uh, going after it, and. Then uh, Jeff came out uh, from the, the crowd or whatever, about to give him the, the brass knucks. But the security stopped him. And he was like, hey, I know him. And they were like, they were talking like, hey, Pat, I think he said he, you know him. And he's like, I don't know him, but I saw him before. Dude, <laughs> the fact that Pat McAfee didn't know who Ivy Nile was. But then, you know, we've had this fucking weirdo rando guy helping Logan Paul out for a year and a half. And Pat McAfee immediately, that's Jeff. He's from the Logan Paul show. Yeah. And I'm like, what, yeah. what, what point does your knowledge serve in this realm whatsoever? <laughs> like, it was like the, the funniest thing that this guy who has no clue about 99% of the shit going on is able to solve like this obscure riddle of you know essentially the wwe's version of a trench in terms of like some on yeah. <laughs> air talent like <laughs> it was just it was so like i remember he's just yelling it's jeff that's jeff and i was just like what the fuck is happening dude listen he is our logan paul expert yeah. <laughs> on this show at the end of the day uh shine was very unhappy that logan paul she was like he's he wrestles he's the champion and I was like, look, I don't understand it either. <laughs> uh, uh, so she was shocked that Logan Paul is a champion. And she was like, is he good? And I said, some people say that uh, overall. Um, so he comes in. Uh, I have no idea what the deal is <laughs> with that. Uh, Grayson Waller and Theory come out. 
And then Theory puts the brass knucks on the ring apron. Uh, he goes for it, but KO counters it, grabs the brass knucks, decks him in the nose. And I noticed earlier in the match, too, he did bloody his nose a little <laughs> on that end. He punches him in the face, <laughs> knocks him out. One, two, three. Uh, nope. He spots the brass knucks <laughs> there. And... Rings the bell. <laughs> Our, the referees in WWE now, they're tightening up the rules. They cannot abide by this, even though it's been the finish in every one of Logan Paul's matches in the past. Uh, no, not against Logan Paul, though. Now he's got supervision, throws the DQ out. What a cop-out finish that this was. Yeah, like, I will give credit because I thought the ref played this perfectly like he did he honestly did it felt genuine his reaction was amazing his performance was better than the majority of the wrestlers on the show um i i thought he did great but man shout out to ryan tran the referee hey let's go (laughs) sorry and um no he he really did crush it and if i'm not mistaken he's also the same referee in the um Carmelo Hayes and Austin Theory concussion incident who called the match right away. Um, So hell of a month for him. Uh, And sorry, that's all to say that I still did not like this finish. Um, (laughs) It's your big four pay-per-view. This is something you can do on TV to build up to a pay-per-view match. This is not how you give us four fucking matches on this show. And the other two literally end with interfere. Like one ends with just fucking ridiculous, classic WWE, you know, like overbearing. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? It, like just distraction interference. And then the other is just yeah. a non-finish. Like it's so shitty. <laughs> I think the only thing that I would have done, I would have had him count to three. And like ring the bell and all that stuff, and then have them discover the the, the brass knucks. So you get the uh, huge pop of the title change, and then he's like, "Wait a minute, like that, like now I see." Which uh, you know, I think that would have been a little bit more effective. But you're right, like his performance, the whole thing was executed well enough. The execution was good, just the idea of it, I wasn't a big fan of <laughs> overall. 100%. Uh, but yeah, so but I I think that would be the one tweak I'd make on it. I would just had him count the three, ring the bell, then he finds the nuts, uh, and like that could lead to something. But Ken had no like no uh, sympathy for this. He was like, "That's Ko's fault for not hiding the <laughs> hiding the evidence <laughs> out there." Uh, and I was like, "Man, this is bull- <laughs> like this is BS." And he was like, "No, that's Ko's fault." So that's Ken so had funny. no no time for this. And Shine's kind of like, yeah, I guess. She's like, she he still should have won anyway. <laughs> um, Why would you uh, give this match? It was okay. I mean, there just wasn't anything memorable about it. And the finish, I didn't think really worked that well. I, maybe like a, it was still way better than the, the four-way, though. I would take this a million times over. Maybe like two and a half. Yeah, I'd go like two and a half if it was a different finish, maybe. Yeah. I want a two on this one. Um, it, a lot of it felt like Logan Paul's first ever time trying to do in ring psychology. Like if I'm not mistaken, the whole thing is him working over KO's hand. And yeah. at one point he's doing that 
with a Kimura lock and Michael Cole's like, uh, you see, he's, he's holding his hand though. And it was that no, kind of shit that just no, like totally no. took me out. And I was like, okay, you're trying to do something and you're close, but you're not quite there. Um, and so like that whole, it, it kind of felt like John Cena and so- Sola Sokoa work in the thumb and just kind of like, okay, dude, like you guys are trying to do the, the body, like the the limb work, but it's just not quite sticking, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, I was just once this was over, dude, I felt a very big breath of fresh air, though, at the very least that we were <laughs> coming to the final match. <laughs> yeah. And like, dude, four hours for four matches is honestly egregious. Say what you will about a four hour AEW pay-per-view. We have definitely had our own criticisms of them, but I would take 12 fucking matches in four hours over four. So <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. The Kimura is a shoulder lock, not a hand lock for, for the record. And I'm not even any kind of BJJ black belt <laughs> saying this. I'm not claiming that at all, but come on. Another thing they screwed up was uh, when Logan go, went for a splash off the top, Cole was like, it what a frog splash from, from Logan Paul. It was not a frog splash at all. He put his hands behind his back uh, to, to do it, and they rightfully criticized him for that. So, I guess they'll continue this feud. Um, KO winning the belt at WrestleMania is fine. They, they want to do that. <laughs> like I, I have no problem with that. I just I don't know. Uh, like Logan Paul as champion doesn't do it for me. I gotta say, uh, overall. No. Did, you th- did you see where they said he's gonna do it full time? Like, he's like, it's about time I go full time <laughs> with this wrestling thing. It's my job now. Like, Dude, do you I think he's gonna be on every week? Beat. Yeah, he's gonna beat Roman for the title <laughs> at Mania next year after Cody loses again. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fantasy booking. No, Logan Paul um, turning babyface. <laughs> like if he's there every week, cool. It's just again, it's like there's so many fucking people on these shows. Um, like it, it would be interesting to see, like you know, Logan Paul has never really, I guess you know, his program with Ricochet though definitely feels like something that a full timer would do, right? Yeah, that was good. Like it, until the finish of the match, which sucked, which was <laughs> similar to this one. Uh, but the program itself was really good, actually. Yeah. But, but yeah, we'll we'll see. He's another one of these guys I think is a little overrated by some people. Honestly, like Logan Paul uh, with his performance. No, and it's he really comes in, and I think the allure is, oh my god, this guy just did a crossbody. Oh my god, this guy just yeah, did. You know, if you're, you're, if you're, you're totally around. right. Yeah, he did a moonsault dispatch, a standing moonsault. Yeah, and then once that wears off, it's kind of like, okay, this guy can do wrestling moves. <laughs> You yeah. Know? yeah, that's that's about it. He's definitely like, OK, it's it's a very big difference now. If you look at someone like a Kurt Angle versus a Logan Paul, right, it feels like back in the day it was very much about like non wrestling athletes being able to figure out how to wrestle so quick like a Kurt Angle or a, or a fucking um, I'll say Shelton Benjamin. Um, yeah. And. You know, but nowadays it seems to be more about celebrities who can wrestle very quickly, right? And like with someone like Kurt, who I think was able to really explore character, etc. Like Logan Paul kind of came in, and his character was Logan Paul can wrestle, and now he's just Logan Paul, 
And, you know, for someone who has never been into the Paul brothers, for someone who doesn't really have any positive things to say about the Paul brothers, especially Jake, like this guy doesn't do anything for me. But I will say he has a what appears to be a sincere and genuine respect for pro wrestling. And it's true. That, that is fair. It, and I really yeah. and I respect and admire that because it's very easy for people to um, come in and completely disrespect and treat it like a fucking joke. So I, I do appreciate that. But yeah, I, I think he needs to change and start to figure out his wrestling character as opposed to just who he is. Yeah, I agree. Like, I actually agree with that. If you, Maybe he needs to take a little time for the psychological aspects because he can do the athletic stuff. Like, There's no doubt about that. He's got the big punch they made a big deal out of, the right hand. Uh, so there's stuff there. And obviously he's like very easily hateable as a heel. But we'll see what he can do. If he is a full-time guy, we'll see what he grows into uh, coming in. So we're finally at the Rumble match, fourth match of the show here Jay Uso number one big pop everybody does the arm thing uh did wouldn't you know it Jimmy's number two the battle of the brothers they've done this like a ton of times in the past where tag partners are one and two uh the Hardys did it they even went back to like demolition back in the day um so they face off they're kind of like trash talking to start and then they finally throw throw hands at each other and right when it looks like something's about to happen, number three's out. It's Grayson Waller. He pulls out a microphone. He's talking mad trash at both of them. He's like, yeah, the most- that's the- yeah. yeah, you Sorry. do it. You do it. You do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the craziest thing I've ever had, bro. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> like it's you're. <laughs> I'm dude. Jay coming out and his song's like yeet yeet, and then Jimmy coming out and his song goes no yeet. Like, it was the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> it it was just one of those things where I'm like, this is how you're going to do this story. But I don't know. Them setting up that moment. It's cool. Like, oh, my God, this is the first time. And then immediately Grayson comes out, talks about how the core of this story is fucking stupid. Yeah. And then that's it. And then Andrade returns. It's like, cool. Uh, and I think that this is the perfect, like, setup for how this men's Royal Rumble goes Half-thought-out ideas, interesting concepts, very little execution on them. Let me just say, Grayson was Cheyenne's Candice LeRae in this match. As soon as he came out, she was like, no. And I said, well, because I was, I was constantly asking her like, stuff like, very basic stuff. Like, hey, what do you think about this guy's gear or whatever, or the girls or whatever? And I was like, what do you think of, of how he looks? She just said, no. I was like, what do you think he was going to say? No. Like, everything was just like, no, with him. She she just had no time for Grayson Waller. Is it possible that because he hated on Taylor Swift at that time, that Cheyenne did not appreciate this very much? I don't know. Uh, what, did, what about when he tried to fight the interviewer guy in Australia? Did you see that clip? No. That sounds awesome, though. Yeah, because the, the guy came out of the back and was like, hit me with a move. Come on now. Hit me with a move. And then he's like, this ain't going to be no fake move. I'm going to punch you in your fucking throat. Or, 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 or he said something like that. <laughs> and then the host was like, get him off camera. Get him off camera. 
And he's like, I ain't no joke, man. You ain't going to disrespect me like that. He's like, wrestling's real to me. <laughs> he's, like, he's saying stuff like that. So he defended the sanctity of wrestling against a smart-ass guy on a, on a uh, morning show in Australia. And L.A. Knight was just sitting there like... Yeah, L.A. Knight was just sitting there like, well, okay, then. <laughs> like, he's, he's totally unbothered. Because <laughs> oh, like, at first they were like... Somebody was like, we want you to hit a wrestling move on us. And he, Waller was like, I'm going to do the wrestling move. I want to punch you in the throat or, or the, the jaw or whatever. Uh, I like Grayson Waller. I thought this was a cool little spot to do his trash talking deal here. He obviously wasn't going to be a main focus guy, but it gives him a little something here to come out with the mic. Andrade came back. He came out with his cool outfit, uh, too, when he came out. Um, uh, you know, they just they, they don't say anything about AEW. They're just like, he's back. Uh He's got new music. It starts off with saying El Idolo. Uh, so there, he's keeping the name, it looks like. <laughs> At least it's a nickname. He does the three amigos and all that uh, coming in there. Carmelo's out at number five. He's kind of like... Uh, he's basically already a SmackDown guy at this point. Huh? Like He's been on SmackDown like two months in a row <laughs> at this point, even though he's an NXT guy technically. Uh, he comes in, throws out Grayson. And then immediately points to the sign <laughs> like five guys into the match. He's already <laughs> pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Nakamura comes out. And like you mentioned earlier, Pat goes crazy dancing on the table. And they're like, I don't know. He's a lot different than you remember. And he's like, I don't care. This is Nakamura. <laughs> and he's doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, and they're like, and they're eventually just like, uh, I think at one point uh, Cole even says something like, uh, "You really need to catch up." <laughs> like he says to Matt, or, or you need to get together or something. It might have been something with like the Judgment Day, because he was like, "What the hell is our truth doing with Priest?" <laughs> and uh, the, he was like, "Man, you need to really uh, like watch this stuff, man. Come on." Yep. <laughs> He's clearly getting annoyed for real <laughs> at Matt, which is very funny. <laughs> Santos Escobar, another great look. <laughs> the entrance comes in. Um. He comes in and he puts the fist up and is like, hey, Andrade, me and you, buddy. Like, these guys haven't interacted probably like 15 years uh, because originally Escobar was in CMLL as Ilda Fantasma, but he jumped to AAA pretty early on, like in the last decade. Uh, so uh, they're like, yeah, we're buddies. Uh, like We're boys. And Andrade was like, nah, man, I don't want none of that. Santos jumped him. They did a tease. Andrade got a, a nice little pop, but it wasn't anything spectacular uh, for a comeback. Carrying um, Cross is out next, and they go black and white. They Dude. show him making out with Scarlet. He he looks like CM Punk in two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> like the hair, the tattoos, the like the trunks. It's everything. I was literally like, he just looks like. Uh oh my God! Who is that one guy's name? Uh, Sean O'Hare meets CM Punk. I love Sean O'Hare. Like, right? I yeah, I was a huge fan of his. Uh, honestly, I thought he was like one of the biggest missed <laughs> opportunities for Sean O'Hare. But he does have that kind of look and a similar gimmick as as well to Sean O'Hare, <laughs> because Sean O'Hare's whole gimmick was like the devil's advocate. You know, like, don't pay your taxes. You don't got to do that. Cheat on your wife. Like, it's all good. <laughs> like, he was telling people to do bad stuff, but. Uh, tried to lo- make logic of it, but so this is kind of his deal. He's like the deal with the 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 goons that he has, uh, the, the authors of paid. It's like they're trying to touch on religion with it, but not really. <laughs> like 
like very poorly. And he has a horrible remix of his theme too. I noticed coming out where it's like static in it. It was like almost a techno update. It sounded like uh, to, to the theme. I was like, what is this? Uh, but he comes out making out with Scarlet uh, and then runs to the ring. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about him in a second. Who's number nine? Dominic. And Cheyenne was like, oh, Dominic, uh, is he good? And I was like, nah, he sucks. But it, it, it kind of like he makes it work. <laughs> like, you know, and she was like, yeah, but maybe he's just pretending to be bad because it's a gimmick. And I was like, no, he sucks. But it, it's good. Like For him, it's great. But to anybody else, he sucks <laughs> as a wrestler. It's fine. Uh, so we were talking about that. Carlito came out. Big pop from Cheyenne. Uh, and in the end, he pulls out the apple, spits in the face of somebody who doesn't want to be cool named Santos Escobar and throws him over the ropes. Like pretty quick ending to this beef with Carlito and Santos here. I uh, just threw him out pretty unceremoniously. Lashley comes in, spears everybody, goes crazy, uh, knocks Carlito out. Cross is gone, but in the end, the authors of pain come out. <laughs> Cross interferes and eliminates Lashley. They brawl. The Street Profits run out. They all go up the ramp. And then Kaiser's out at number 12, and he's like, whoa, what are you guys doing? Like, got to go to the ring. Sorry, guys. So he sidesteps all of that and comes in. Um, Lashley's another one. Like, he's a guy who's been like a big-time player in a lot of years, and here he just goes out really early on. Um, I have no interest in Cross or any, any of this, to, to be honest with you. Um, so Kaiser comes in, and Austin, uh, Average Austin's out next. Uh he comes in, uh, does the big, uh, like, uh, through the leg spin into the complete shot, which uh, Cheyenne was like, oh, he's good. This sucks. I don't want him to be good. I was like, no, nah, he's really boring. <laughs> like, actually, uh, like he had one good, good move. Calm down. Uh, Finn's out next, and it comes in to save Dominic. Uh, Carmelo gets tossed out there. Cody comes in at number 15. He eliminates Theory. With number 16 is Big Bronson Reed. Uh, he comes in, splashes some people, hits the Samoan drop to both Finn and Dominic, and then just throws Andrade out to, like very unceremoniously. So to your point, not the greatest return for Andrade here. Dude, if they put him in a fucking storyline with Judgment Day, it's basically just like the House of Black thing over again. Yeah, same <laughs> crap over, over yeah. again. He's like, I tried to get away from this. He's like, why the fuck do goth kids hate me, man? Just... Yeah. <laughs> like, what did I do to you? Yeah. yeah. I like my chemical romance, boys. I hope so. Uh, I like to believe we all like my chemical romance. Shout out to your birthday cake. That's right. Uh, Kofi comes in at number 17th uh, and then uh, Cody hits the crossroad on Nakamura through the ropes. <laughs> so they play off their feud. Nakamura goes out uh, there. Kaiser's out and immediately Gunther comes out next and is so pissed at Kaiser for getting eliminated. Like, I needed you in there. What are you doing? And Kaiser's just like, damn. Just sitting there looking all disappointed. I felt bad because Kaiser had finally gotten into his good graces <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, so Guther's pissed again, and he comes in, goes after Kofi, and then chops everybody. And this part was awesome, <laughs> where he's chopping everybody, uh, hitting hard on everybody, uh, goes after Kofi, knocks him out. No near elimination spot for Kofi, or anybody, really. 
uh, in this match. Uh, just throws him out. Ivar is in at 19. They talk about how he's been doing some great things. The match with Gable on Raw was phenomenal. Like, way better than anything on this show. Uh, like, where was Gable in this match? Like, he's the one of the, another one of these guys I was thinking. And Solo, too. You would have thought Solo would have been in this match for sure. Uh, but I guess you only wanted one Bloodline guy in. But Gable should have been in this match for sure. I was totally just discouraged by his lack of appearance here. Um, but Ivor looked good. Him and Breed went at it. Then number 20 is Braun Breaker. And to me, this was the best part of the match, in my opinion. He comes in, steamrolls everybody, throws out the Usos, throws out Jimmy, spears a bunch of people, knocks out uh, Finn Balor. Like he he uh, squares up to Gunther. Um, knocks him out with a spear. He wreaked havoc, and the whole crowd started to, to do the dog bark with him. Like he started off like not getting that much of a reaction, but after he like cleaned house, the crowd started to get behind him, and I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> like Rob Breaker, this is awesome. Omos comes out for the first time in like a year. <laughs> it feels like since WrestleMania. <laughs> MVP still there too. I didn't I you know didn't know he was still around. Uh, Omos tries to do some stuff. Uh, throws people around, <laughs> eliminates uh, <laughs> eliminates Reed, eliminates Ivar, and then 22, Pat McAfee, total comedy spot. He comes out from the desk. <laughs> uh, again, this is this should have been Gable's spot. <laughs> like, he should have came in and, and done some cool stuff. Uh, but instead, he comes in, looks at Omos, <laughs> gets in the ring, climbs back up the ropes, and climbs back down, and then does it again, wastes more time, and finally eliminates himself. Like, waste of time spot. Like, it did, this did nothing for nobody. Yep. Um, uh, this could have been Gable's spot. Uh, you know, people talked about how this spot was just so weird that it could have been a last-minute replacement for a Brock or something. But, yeah, I, could totally I thought that see this that. was a total waste of time. And, you know, these are things that a lot of people don't care about. But these, like, the R-Truth in the women's, Pat McAfee and the men's like these are things that deeply irk me just because, you know, the Royal Rumble is very much like a, a, a measurement of status within the company, your sort of trajectory of 2024, whatever year it is. Right. And so when you have people who are busting their asses all year, like a Gable um, and then for McAfee to get a spot just to do a 30 second joke about him being a fucking coward like cool um i don't know i just i think it's so disrespectful um to the people who were there all year um and i actually really really like the fact that you know i will commend the women's rumble for not doing any legends i i think the legends pops are such an antiquated thing because they were very much there simply because there was not enough talent back then and now that we have yeah. enough talent I see no value in a commentator, celebrity, or legends appearance in a rumble outside of a pop. And I think that you can, again, do those in any other situation and you still get the fucking pop. I think that, like, I'm good. If there's like a one legend type of person in the match, I'm good with that. Once you start doing multiple, like, that's where I think we'll. Like, that's when things got really bad, uh, like, you know, to me, because I'm not a big fan of that over and over. <laughs> I think one is good. 
you know, you could get some big moments like when Perfect returned, like Mr. Perfect returned at the 2002 Royal Rumble. That was like a big deal. Uh, but if they did it over and over, it wouldn't have worked as well. <laughs> so overall. Yep. JD comes out at 23. Um, and uh, so basically Braun eliminates Omos, but then Dominic eliminates Braun, which I thought sucked. Like why, why do that? Unless Braun is gonna fight Dominic, which I'm like that would be a great idea to me. Like have him squash Dominic at WrestleMania. You get a huge like crowd reaction, puts him over as a badass. And also he's another one that had a great match this week. Uh, him and Baron Corbin versus Axiom and Nathan Fraser. That match rocked. Like uh, like that was a great match. Not as good as Ivar Gable, but it was a great great match though. Um, and it, uh, he looked great here. He was like the one guy in this whole match that I thought actually gained something <laughs> from the match. And to see him eliminated by Dominic was stupid, in my opinion. Um, and a lot of people have rumored, too, that he was the replacement for Brock and basically just did what Brock. He had a very Brock-esque run <laughs> here, like destroying everybody. But can you imagine Dominic eliminating Brock? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> like, I don't know if that would have worked or made any sense. But he's pissed. JD's coming down. He's like throwing up the, the two sweet or whatever. Like him and Dominic are about to team up. And then Braun Spears, JD, out of his shoes. Of course, our truths next. He throws JD into the ring. Gets him eliminated in like five seconds. Like he's in and out immediately. And JD's like, I hate you <laughs> to our to truth. And then he gets on the apron. He reaches his arms out for the hot tag from Dominic. Uh, like you know it's a tag match in the rumble now this to be fair was stupid but the crowd got into it at at the end of the day i I thought they reacted a lot better to this one in the women's match spot Uh, he came in tried to do his cena fire up but in the end gunther came in and chopped him uh there uh the miz came out next and they redo. I don't know what they're obsessed by with this R Truth and Miz team up. Like nobody cares about this team ever at all. Hey, period. these guys fought the Cena and the Rock, man. <laughs> Sorry. Those, Do you... those were those were dark days that we went through, those my are friend. Our top heels in the company. <laughs> that that's true, but still nobody cares about that time. They, we want to forget about that time. Um. Priest comes in at 26, and this was awesome. I love this part. He literally slid into the ring, and our truth is like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, so he slides into the ring and immediately punches him right in the face, <laughs> grabs him and drops him, and grabs him and throws him over the rope. It was it was awesome. And uh, then, like Cole's, like I guess the merch money ran out <laughs> for these two, so our truth got to sell those Judgment Day shirts a little bit better. It seems like. <laughs> CM Punk comes in at 27, uh, the lucky number historically. I think this was clearly done on purpose to have Punk have this number. He was who I thought was going to win heading in. Like, who did you think was going to win before the match started? Um, it was like I was thinking um, Punk to either set up Rock and Roman or to make Cody's road harder. Um, yeah. Or Cody. I, yeah, th- yeah, those were the only two I think. I, you know, you could definitely make a legitimate case for Cody coming into it. Um, 
we I talked definitely about it. with the with their promo on Monday, like I definitely thought these were going to be yeah, the yeah. final two. Um again, like so long as a rock didn't come into the match. Yeah, I totally agree. I was thinking like the only chance would be if the rock was number thirty uh for it. But I thought Punk was gonna win, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I, they did a great job putting him at twenty seven here. Um he looked rough in this match, uh, I, I got to say, uh, here. But we'll, we'll get to the final two and, and his performance there. Ricochet's 28, back from injury, or wherever he's been uh, overall. Uh, he comes in, does some flying stuff, his typical great performances and all of that. Drew McIntyre is in at 29. He fires up, goes after Jey Uso. Um, fires, the thing is, he's had... It was cool because he basically hates everybody in the match at that time. Like he's feuded with uh, Jay and Gunther, and he's argued with Cody and Punk both as well. So he had like five different feuds in the match when he came in, and then the sixth came in at number thirty when Sami Zayn is back from injury that Drew did, that Drew injured him as well. Uh, what do you think about Sami as the choice for number thirty here? Um safe like when yeah. he came out i thought cody was winning um you know i i love sammy but i if it's one of those things too where i don't remember anything he did in this match except come out at 30 yeah so i thought it was he, a little wasted there and again it's one of those things where you know kevin owens might be fighting logan paul at mania but it, it's very like the difference in booking of these two in comparison to last year where they were the main event. Right. And yeah. um, so, but yeah, uh, I love Sami Zayn. I'm happy he's back. He did get the Haluva kick on drew and did, did eliminate priest. <laughs> uh, he knocked him out, which plays off his character of being against the judgment day. But as soon as he eliminated priest, Oh, Drew also feuded with Priest as well. He just had a match with him on Monday as well. So he hated everybody in the match. <laughs> Sammy eliminated Priest, and then Drew eliminated Sammy right after. Um, they cut to Seth Rollins watching this match from this, the box. <laughs> and then Roman. They did this for the women, too, and I wanted to point this out. I didn't get to point it out earlier. <laughs> did you see where EO was standing? Dude, this pissed me off. I don't remember where EO is standing, but why are they in the back when the guys have the skyboxes? Like, they're just in a fucking janitor's closet with a big screen, and then Roman and Seth have their own boxes. I thought that shit was very jarring as well. Well, even at the time, forget the men. Like, we, uh, even at the time, <laughs> Rhea was standing just fine. Like, she was against, like, the interview set. Like, it had the Royal Rumble screen or whatever, just a normal shot. EO was standing in front of what looked to me to be a hole in the wall of the arena. <laughs> look, go back and look at it. It looked like the bathroom. Like there's a hole in the wall, like right outside. Like if you make the right, right turn, you'll be in front of the bathroom stalls. There was a hole in the wall and she looked great. She was wearing a great dress, like very fancy and, and all that stuff. <laughs> like she made it seem like this was this big event. But standing next to a hole in the wall. Why did they shoot this? Like, what the fuck? It was so goofy. Like, I, I didn't understand it at all. Um, Seth was, like, dancing around uh, for, for his entrance being stupid. 
uh, Roman was there with Heyman. Um, so long You're story such short. such a great A Seth hater. It's funny. <laughs> I've got generational level hatred for, for this man and his title reign. Um, but I mean, he he was being stupid. <laughs> like, like look look at it. I'm not making this up. Uh, that's his gimmick, right? He's this goofball. So I don't hate him personally. Like, you know, I, I thought I just uh, I'm not a fan of his character is all. Um, so anyway, it comes down to the final four of Drew, Gunther, Punk and Cody. And this is about where, like, OK, this boring ass match is about to finally pick up a level <laughs> that we have. Uh, they go at it. Punk tries to go for the GTS <laughs> on Drew, but then his back gives out. Um, Drew hits claymores to everybody, like all three men. <laughs> and Drew, uh, he talks trash on Punk, uh, and he's—I I didn't like this part considering the finish because it was basically the exact same thing twice. So he's talking mad shit to Punk and is like, "You can't beat me anymore. I'm not the kid from years ago." Mm-hmm. And he picks him up, and then of course Punk throws him over the top immediately. <laughs> there, so his trash talking led to his downfall. Gunther comes in, they have a standoff. That's what like that's like the one standoff before the ending that the crowd actually reacted to was Cody and Gunther, <laughs> the rematch from last year's final. And they brought it back here. <laughs> they came at it. Uh, in the end, though, uh, uh, he drops uh, Gunther out. Uh, you know, he tries to throw Cody out. Cody turns it around and it's down to Cody and Punk. So we get to the final two in the mini match that comes with it, you know, as is traditional every year. In the men's rumble. I thought Punk did not look good at all in this match. Like, just up and down his wrestling. This was at a lower level than he was at in AEW by far. And he didn't keep up with a lot of these guys like Drew. And I mean, like, Drew and Gunther, they're two of the best workers. And Cody, you know, he's going to put his best effort in. I thought Punk was clearly a step behind the other three. Um, And... I still thought Punk was going to win at this point, personally. Um, so then he does the thing. He hits the GTS. He hit the pedigree at one point. And if you notice, even when they first started, the crowd, at first, they were chanting, like, split cheers, which is kind of like how their promo went on Raw, where it's like they were both chanting Punk and Cody at the same time, which is really rare. <laughs> Usually, it'll be a back and forth, but instead, they, put it, they chanted it at the same time. Uh, by the end of this, though, the crowd was basically all behind Cody. Like I like the crowd picked Cody as the guy over punk, which I thought was really interesting. And it shows that it was the right choice to have him win again. So punk hits the pedigree. He smiles and kind of starts to take, I think he picked up on the crowd with signing with Cody and he turns his heelish tendencies up a little bit. And then he cut him up and he's like, he picked him up about to throw him after he hit the GTS finally. Uh, and he said, I didn't come back to lose the Dusty's kid. Uh, that's ex- right. When he said that, he said, uh, you knew that I didn't wait win. 10 years to lose to Dusty's kid. I <laughs> yeah. said, all right. So Cody's winning. Cause the only time when, I, when someone says some just absolutely yeah, disrespectful shit yeah. like that, and then yeah. still squashes the baby face is an MJF feud. So <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, that fired Cody up. Uh, he turned it around, uh, hit the crossroads, picked his up, picked him up, and threw his ass over the top rope. Punks out. 
great camera shot of Punk looking devastated, like right in front of the WrestleMania sign. Cody pointed to it, and then a kid immediately stood up off the bed we were watching. He said, there you go, you jag off <laughs> about Punk. Uh, he was very happy. He was very happy that Punk got eliminated, and we all were. We were. I was. I. I thought Punk was going to win. Like I said, until he said that about. Yeah, I didn't co- wait. I didn't come back after ten years to lose to Dusty's kid. That's what I thought. Oh, I guess Cody's going to win. <laughs> like when, when he yep. said that, and I didn't like it. I didn't like how they did it right after Drew did the same thing like two minutes beforehand. Um, yes. But great camera work showing Punk uh, distraught. Cody points to the sign and then he points at Roman Reigns and he's fired up going crazy. The crowd loved it. I thought the finishing the fire from Cody was really good. <laughs> like, and they made it feel like a big deal. I just don't think punk was able to match him on the wrestling game output. And it's his first match back. He hasn't wrestled in a few months, but I have to say, even by his standards, I expected a little bit more uh, from the punkster here. But uh, yeah, this match was really boring for the most part. It picked up with the final four, and the winner was a pleasant surprise. And I thought he handled it really well. And it was like booking-wise, it was solidly booked. It was adequately booked. No big surprises. I think that's a part of the appeal of the Rumble. Again, I think you need the surprise aspect. Whether it's a person from another company, whether it's a legend, you need something. And we didn't get anything. There was really no near eliminations like Kyrie in the women's match. Uh, nothing cool. There was just no memorable moments. There wasn't even even anything really set up for the future outside of Lashley and Cross. Even the Usos. Jay didn't eliminate Jimmy. Jimmy didn't eliminate Jay. They didn't do a lot for most of the match like outside of that one moment at the start. I thought this was going to be a big moment where either Solo comes in. Uh, eliminates Jay or helps Jimmy, or maybe he accidentally eliminates Jimmy himself. Uh, They didn't set up anything with this match. Nothing about this rumble will be remembered very much at all, in my opinion, outside of maybe the final two and really the closing shot of the winner. And I I didn't like this rumble at all. I thought it was one of the the lesser ones we've seen in recent memory. Uh, Very much agreed. Uh, You know, one of the main criticisms of the rumble for the past few years and sort of in its entirety, but, um, is that there are never enough believable winners. Like two guys go in and that's pretty much who is capable of winning. But this was the first year where we had a very good amount of people, um, you know, that could potentially win and work in that spot. And, you know, (laughs) we're saying like, Oh, this is the first year that they haven't done, you know, a lot of like, uh, um, what was I going to say? Like legends or things like that. And then they did nothing with what they had. I thought like, uh, like you were saying, I just, I was very surprised as to like how lame everything was, how few moments there were. Um, like this was just a really, I would say aggressively boring rumble. Um, the final, moments i thought like okay this was a very bad royal rumble i thought but the final fatal four-way was still better than anything i saw in the reigns four-way which i feel like says a lot yeah (laughs) i'm just like i I don't know um but you know i as much of a cody fan as i am not sometimes i thought that the way the crowd responded the final moment everything like you said definitely solidified that Finishing this story is the way to do it. Um, I just hope 
they finish it. So we shall see. Yeah, I get this like a very gracious one and a half. Yeah, I think that seems about right. Honestly, I I gave the the four way a one. Uh, This has a lower score cage match than the U.S. title match. Five point six seven for this, five point five seven for the fatal four way, and six point four six for the U.S. title. Uh, I'd probably go about two for this. I think it was okay, and it was somewhat bold. I mean, you could argue the crowd could have supported Punk instead of Cody. <laughs> like, it's possible that could have happened. Um, And they risked it anyway. And I thought it worked out. And I, thankfully, it worked out at the end. The four at the end were the four that they set up. <laughs> um, All four men have had feuds with Seth at some point or at least promo time against Seth. And besides Gunther, the other three all had promo time against each other. Uh, Drew, Cody, Drew, Punk, Punk, Cody. Uh, they've all feuded, like, you know, had angles with each other or promo time with each other. Um, and Cody and Punk was the best for last, in their mind at least. Uh, and they uh, built to it in this match. So I thought it was logically booked. This was not bad. It was just boring. And that mm-hmm. that made it bad. <laughs> I think. Yep, definitely. Yeah. It's the they just didn't do anything yeah. of note. It felt like. And when you look at the closing stretch from last year of Gunther versus Cody. Like, oh, that was a that, lot better. Than this, that on its own was a solid singles match that could stand on its own. Um, but yeah, this was just such nothing, as you've said, just boring. Yeah, they, you know, we've seen legendary moments in the past. Um, you know, they could, like I said, they could have done easily given somebody a really close call elimination, like something that really makes a big deal or something clever that you could happen. I guess they tried to do that with uh, Kaiser a little bit, but not really. Um, you know, even something like Austin checking his watch that time was that big moment they played over and over. There was no moment where somebody cleaned house to any great degree. Like Braun was the closest. I think he was honestly the only guy in this whole match that gained anything out of it. Ah, uh, great point. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll see what happens with Co- and Cody and Punk at the end was at least interesting. <laughs> but I think it makes perfect sense. Have Cody go for Roman and Punk go for Seth. Like that's the easiest, cleanest way. Um, the four at the end were the only four that I thought would even have even a shred of credibility of winning it. And I think Punk and Cody were by far the two highest chance. The Rock was in a situation all on his own. They could still maybe get to that Roman Rock deal. I know he was put on the board of directors or something for the Netflix deal. I don't and have I the don't, title right in front of me. I don't think you need the title for that match because it can the title itself can be the literal title of head of the table, right? So it's just any sort of adding a championship to that title feud. I think the championship becomes so fucking secondary. What do you think then? So let's say they're still going to do the rock match uh, with Roman. Would you have Roman versus Cody on night one main event or Roman versus rock night one main event? And then Roman versus Cody night two or Roman versus rock night two main event. Um, you know, if you do Rock Night 2 and Cody Night 1, I think what becomes – like, you would have to book That it hurts as, the title. 
Yeah, because it w- it's like if it's not for the title and then Cody beats Roman, then why would Rock fight Roman, right? Um, so I, I could see them either doing it night one. Um, you know, once Roman loses the title, it's going to become one of those things where, like, why would anyone fight him, right? Yeah. Um, like, in a kayfabe sense, because I'm like, he's just like a sniveling little prick whose friends and, like, family just literally pull rests out. Like, what what's the benefit of fighting Roman Reigns once he loses the title? And people will be like, oh, beating Roman Reigns. But it's like, okay, but it's been it's been shown many times that that's nearly impossible. So yeah. why not just let this guy fucking isolate on his own island, right? Um, so I think, like, you know, it. I feel like you only have those big marquee matches left yeah. Um, because Roman's not going to show up on TV any more than he does, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And like it's I don't know. I don't see any value in a in a Roman versus Ricochet or a Roman versus Balor at that point. Right. Because it's it's just I don't know. And again, it, it's just it could be because it's hard to see uh, a Roman career outside of the of the title. But yeah, I just I don't see any value. Um, I yeah. think what I would do is have shelved the rock match for this year. Have Punk versus Seth night one and Cody versus Roman night two. Dude, imagine they have rock screw over Roman. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> I just thought of that as a setup for WrestleMania next year. That, that, that's why I was going to go with this. Like I would have them have those matches and then the next night do a replay of what they did with Cena. Rock challenges Roman for WrestleMania the next year. And his whole purpose now, he's completely out of the title scene at this point, Roman. His only goal, the only thing he cares about is beating The Rock for the next year. Like, he doesn't have to wrestle. You could cut to him maybe once a month or however much you need it to. <laughs> maybe set up a match here and there. But the only thing, his only purpose for the next year is to beat The Rock and claim the title of the head of the table. Uh, and that, like, that would be a good way to get the title, age him out of the title gracefully into a goal that you could portray, at least, as personally as important to him as any title or any record. And The Rock as well, like he doesn't need the title. He needs to f- sort things out for his family uh, one more time. Uh, so I would have The Rock not be on WrestleMania this year. Have him, it, it, like him screwing, like or not just him, but anybody. Like you could argue last year, if Sammy and KO had screwed over Roman in the match, that would have been poetic justice for this entire title reign, <laughs> like with the bloodline. And you could argue the same with The Rock. Now, if somebody did screw him over, it would be po- like. Yes, it's bad on its own, but in the context of the storytelling they use, it would actually make sense and be a babyface action uh, in that situation. But they don't even have to do that. They can even have him screw over Roman or just the next night on Raw, have him announce one year in the making, me and Roman at the next year WrestleMania, which I don't even know where it's at, uh, 41. But Yeah, no, totally doubt. Also, I will say I just looked at the clock. I was supposed to leave a half hour ago. Um, I just realized it's 430 here. Um, so anything else for the rumble? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, well, we already talked about the press conference afterwards. Uh, you kind of said it all with triple H's reactions. Uh, I think the media uh, that were there, they were like half right. 
Like, you know, they got about half of them asking good questions. And he was kind of sweating some of them, too. He felt like he was they were kind of had him on the ropes for a little bit. Um, you know, uh, but they if they had pushed a little bit more, I think they could have gotten something out of him. But uh, some of them asked different questions. I'm not going to shame anybody right now uh, for it. It was a crazy situation, uh, unheard of in, in wrestling uh, for sure. But I'm grateful that at least some people stepped up to the plate and asked the right questions. Every one of them should have, honestly. But uh, the ones that did, I do appreciate um, yeah. Triple H's answers were terrible. Like I, I, that's why you end up with uh, headlines like we saw. Like on the week, Vince McMahon w- was charged with sex trafficking. Triple H says it's a ama- it's been an amazing week for yeah. WWE. This is uh, deaf as shit. Yeah, complete terrible. Like how could you? Um, so terrible stuff from Triple H. Uh, like you said, Cody gave a much better answer for whatever that's worth. Uh, we'll see what happens in the future. But like we kind of said at the start, to kind of bring this back to the start, that situation is not done at all yet. And hopefully we can get a, a good hearted resolution for everybody involved. Uh, and hopefully we'll see where we go. But uh, thank you for the time, Nello. Uh, you know, we, we had a lot of great conversations on today's show. Uh, hopefully all the listeners out there enjoyed it or, gl- or gleaned something from it, at least. Uh, hopefully everybody checks things out in the future. Uh, Vengeance Day is coming up next week. Uh, Cheyenne will be here. My sister and me will do a show. Uh, Well, we'll see how it goes timing wise. What happens? Uh, You are very welcome to come on. If you do have the time as well uh, with us. Yeah. Uh, If if, uh, GCW Sunday night as well. So, oh, yes. Look at that for both of us. And then Jesus. Okay. I'm at GCW Sunday night. Wednesday, I'll be at Dynamite. So I'll get to see the Sting and Darby versus the for the tag titles. And then Friday, I will be at Hood Slam. So it's actually a pretty fucking crazy week of wrestling coming up. Live wrestling, live wrestle update. Stuff's going down, people. Uh, hopefully, we have some <laughs> more fun. So hopefully, we have some good times and fun times ahead uh, for everybody involved. And hopefully, you guys, as we're heading out, closing out January. Hopefully, you get a, you guys have a great month. Valentine's Day is coming up. Hopefully, you tell somebody you love you love them. They probably need it. Uh, you know. Uh, Hopefully you guys have a great day, great night, whenever, wherever you're listening. As always, you know I love you. And until next time, this has been your Russell Update.